music. It's not just part of our daily lives, it's part of our wrestling fandom as well, and it has been for decades. That's where this show comes in, Music of the Mat, the podcast devoted exclusively to the music of pro wrestling, hosted by Andrew Rich. Hey, that's me. Each episode delivers a different topic with a variety of great guests, fun conversations, musical analysis, and of course, a heartfelt pun or two. New episodes drop every other Tuesday on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or your podcast app of choice. Check out Music of the Mat only on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Hello everybody and welcome to the Super Jcast. I'm Joel, joined by David McDonald. It is Wednesday 27th of December 2023. This is episode 219. Merry Christmas to all you listeners and Merry Christmas to you, Damon. How was the big day? You know what? It was good. Um, a little bit different than we have had it in past years. Um, it was a little bit more low-key, a little bit more uh, family-oriented instead of friends-oriented, um, which I think uh, is a good thing. So um, I-, I love it. It's my favorite time of year. Um, you know, from everything, like I just like the vibe. I like the week leading into the new year. I like it's, that it's Wrestle Kingdom season. I like that we just did, you know, an hour and a half with Walker Stewart, and we're hyped. You know, he got us hyped up for Wrestle Kingdom. So you know what? Maybe it's good that we spoke with him first before doing our little shit here. Because um, I don't know. I feel like I got a, a little bit more juice in me, a little bit more positivity, a little bit more uh, feeling it, if you will. Um, and that's all to the uh, great job by Walker Stewart, who spent a lot of time with us. And I think we did another uh, blockbuster, fantastic uh, interview. I think we're the best at it. We asked the hard-hitting questions, the questions that need to be asked. Uh, and we give. And you can read about it on everyone else's websites. <laughs> <laughs> we make it easily transcribable. Uh, it's, we just make it so easy for everyone else to make money but us. That's, that's great. It makes me feel great. Um, can we address that, or, or are we just we're hand waving it? I, I'm hand waving it. I don't. Okay. I thought we were. I thought we were very cordial. I don't know what happened at the end. I don't know who else got involved, but I've always been very friendly with the post people. Um, at, at better times at the Tokyo Dome, never had any issues whatsoever. We just felt like I don't know. It 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 hurt us to see our work being used for somebody else's gain. Um, without just the common courtesy of, hey, you know what, this isn't our work, it's it's theirs, but here it is anyway. We would have no problem with it. And I hate the fact that it got to the point where it is and where it got to. Um, I don't even know the depths of where it got to. But I will say this. I like the fact that we have people that will defend us to you know for the right thing. And maybe they're extra passionate and maybe they got a little bit more vinegar than than honey. But um, I, pr- I appreciate those people that look out for us. I do. Um, just it's not that hard. And I don't know why it got to the point where it did. So anywho, I hope uh, I hope this is uh, I hope we have a bridge over troubled waters 
if if that's what I'm looking for. I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. Thanks. Yes, peace and love going into Thanks. 2024. That's that's what we've always been about here on the Jcast. Um, let's get right into the news. Massive news here. We have a new president of NJPW. It is none other than the ace of the universe himself, Hiroshi Tanahashi, who is replacing uh, Takumi Obari, and also outgoing is um, oh goodness, what was the guy's name? Nishizawa. Yeah, um, I've been. Yeah been around for a, a very, very long time. Now, we don't, obviously, the, the, the circumstances of their departure or dismissal, depending on who you're listening to, uh, is not a matter of public debate. However, if you look at Kota Ibushi's tweets, he has rather a lot to say on it. And, and obviously, we take all that with a, a pinch of salt. But if you take his word for it, then there's been some sort of misdemeanors there. Um, you can go and look for that for yourself. But um yeah, there are accusations flying around that suggest that this is not necessarily a, a, a peaceful, mutual parting of the ways, more like because <laughs> getting shit cans. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it never ends, the drama. Look, I, I sat here on this very podcast and I asked for changes to be made. Changes were made, right? Um, I don't know the validity of any of the claims, uh, that people are are throwing about, but all I know is this: we have a figurehead president, and we have two new movers and shakers. Um, and I'm okay with the idea of Hiroshi Tanahashi being the president, um, and you know, kind of maybe being the Jack Tunney, if you will, more than the you know actual behind the scenes guy. But maybe you know. I'm sure. Yeah, you know, just jump in there. The, the behind the scenes guy, his name is, is director Hitoshi Matsumoto. He's from TV Asahi. So, oh, <laughs> we're fucked. <laughs> we ain't sharing anything. Uh, thus, the name of this show. Um, I'm excited for it. Look, I, I I get excited when there's change in in uh, management in a pro wrestling company. I do. I get excited when there's a change. Yes, are excited. Party time at the dojo, I've heard. Yeah, I've heard that as well. Um, let's get. Let's see what happens. I think. I I don't look. I don't think this is going to turn into fucking Vince Russo land. Um, but in the same breath, I don't think we're 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 going back to Enochism either. Um, I think there's a definite balance, and I think I trust the person, um, Hiroshi Tanahashi, to kind of. Again, lead that charge, whether it be front facing or you know part front facing, part behind the scenes, or whatever the 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 dynamics wind up being. Like again, I wanted change. I got it. I'm happy with it. Um, I think the timing is very weird. I will say that. Like you're going into your biggest show of the year, um, and you know a show that the day after people kind of look at as maybe a, a reset or a jump start or or what have you um because craziness can ensue on on new year dash uh i again i find the timing very weird um it's it screams to me anyway um either this is a case of man you fucked up something so bad we got to get rid of you or b um and not related to Bushiro's stock price before anyone <laughs> weighs in on that. Right. Please. Enough with that. Can we can we please stop that? I don't I don't know how many times it can be just be shown that that's not the case, but okay. 
um, you know, either you fucked up so bad that we we couldn't we we had no other choice, um, or B, they're trying to save something, like they're trying to be the people that will make sure certain things don't happen, um, or certain things do happen for the benefit of New Japan Pro Wrestling, um. Like those are the only two reasons. You don't just make this change willy nilly. There's there's a reason behind it, um, and to me, it falls into two camps. Uh, one's a little bit more scary than the other. So, again, change is good. Change is good. I think I think it's a well deserved breath of fresh air. Hopefully, that we'll have. And I'm excited about 24. I I told you, I sat here and said it a thousand times. 2024 is going to be a wild ride, kids. And guess what? The end of 2023 into 24, uh, I think I think we've lived up to that, right? We've lived up to it already, and I don't even think things are are near where we're going to be come 2024 G1 season. Yeah, I don't want to. Uh, I don't want to dismiss the work that Obari did because he, he definitely uh, did a lot of good stuff in New Japan when they were in a, a really tricky spot. But the impression I get is that he wasn't particularly well liked by the, the wrestlers, at least. So, if nothing else, this Tanahashi appointment has got them excited, and and happy wrestlers working for the company is uh, definitely an improvement. So we'll, we'll celebrate that, and you know, hopefully, it will convince some people to stick around as uh, we roll into contract season and. The, the other bit of information is uh, New Japan announced they're one of nine member promotions to join uh, a newly founded industry group called United Japan Pro Wrestling. And they're going to have a joint event at the Nippon Budokan in May the 6th. So, I mean, this is not new. I mean, I'm sure there's been lots of talk between pro wrestling promotions in Japan for a while. But to have it entrenched on an official level here is a really positive step. And you'd hope, if nothing else, that it benefits the wrestlers who... Maybe even things like having a framework for what happens if they've got a long-term injury or if they're not under contract or whatever, or you know, career networks post-retirement for for female and male wrestlers. So little things like that. So I think it's important to recognise that this is it's an industry group. It's a group that can lobby the government and discuss bigger issues like that. This is not like a, a super promotion to put on, um, you know, massive ultra cross-promotional shows all throughout the year. It's it's um, it's interesting to say the least. It's uh, it's also correct me if I'm wrong. Re- you know, really unprecedented, and I, I hope it works right for the good of every one of those guys out there putting their lives on the line every every time they're in the ring and having uh, uh, some stability and having a voice um, because I think far too I think I mean if you want my honest opinion, it should be, I, I would love to see this all over the world. Um, and we know that, you know, different countries have different labor laws and interpretations of such. And we've been through the independent contractor rigmarole and the, you know, who, you know, who is and who isn't considered an independent contractor, 1099 here in the States. Uh, look, I mean, I'm, I'm really trying to think of like what would be the downfall of this. Like, what would be the the the? I guess the only thing that, that would be the downfall. I'm uh, and and I say this with NXT uh, Japan. <laughs> well, one right, it does feel like a little. Well, Japan have already betrayed the entire country, haven't they? <laughs> right, seriously. I mean, <sighs> there is a, a a small feeling in my head that has 
are, is this just a circling of the wagons, right? To kind of, you know, protect the, the Japanese pro wrestling industry from uh, evil outsiders. Mm. It can't because if all Japan is part of that group and they are bringing NXT talent over for their shows, that immediately that mission statement would have failed. So I don't think it is that. Okay, but there has always been since the day that I've plugged a microphone into a USB port here, um, that always that rumbling of what you know big US pro wrestling companies' intentions are in Japan. And I'm not saying that there is or there isn't, and we're we're rebooting Steven Regal, you know, sitting in the orange seats in Cork and Hall, you know, swiping talent. I'm not saying we're there. Uh, I'm just saying that it it like okay. A, a benefit of this is the circling of the wagons. They could bring in NXT talent, all Japan. I mean, we bring in AEW talent. Um, that that's not stopping anybody from opening up another shop here. Uh, and and I think I think with when we're talking about the monies that are being floated around for TV contracts for 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 both western promotions and just the amount of of money going back and forth and and what we're dealing with I mean look I think it would be unwise not to at least have that written down on a piece of paper of, okay, you know, here's one of our goals is we need to make sure that we're, we're doing good by us. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a strange, it's a strange time. This is a very strange time in the world of not only Japanese pro wrestling, but I think pro wrestling as a whole, it's, it's the, the, the landscape has moved so dramatically in the past six months that, um, it's kind of hard to 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 speculate on where where everything lands. You hope you hope we're in a good position, and and we are. I would think. I hope. Um, and with new management, okay, maybe maybe they're looking at things that other management people who were were let go didn't. And and I'm hoping they have all their eyes dotted and t's crossed. Uh, one more thing I forgot to mention. Uh, the ballot for our year-end awards is now live. So if right. you've not already done so, please check that out. There's a link to that pinned on our Twitter page. So if you go to... Oh, it's not Twitter.com anymore, is it? Oh, it is Twitter.com forward slash the Super Jcast. You'll find it as a pin post, the, uh, the the ballot sheet for that. So do take a, a couple of minutes to put down your picks for the year and we'll be revealing the winners probably sometime after Wrestle Kingdom. Yeah. So yeah, I just wanted to throw that out there. We, we invented, um, another... by the way, we invented uh, year-end awards. So everyone... <laughs> 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 no one else is, if anyone else has year-end awards, you have to credit us. Credit. Super joke. Oh, Lord. Uh, right, another little tidbit here. Soberano Jr. has uh, signed a one-year contract with New Japan, which I find really exciting because one, I think Soberano Jr. is a, a terrific talent and I've always been impressed with what i've seen so looking forward to seeing more of him in like a sort of titan level role for new japan and i also really think 2024 should be a year where new japan really leans into the relationship with cmll who have had a a terrific year and also rev pro as well i mean there's a lot of talent in rev pro that i would like to see coming over you know like luke jacobs and leon slater and and people like that so um i really think there's a, a lot of benefits to be had for working more closely with those promotions. And, and this is a really encouraging sign of that. Yep. I look, I know this might be wacky Damon talk, but um, 
I am a thousand percent more excited about a a growing of the working relationship with CMLL than I am with like AEW. Like I, I just think that there is so much benefit to a a real working uh, situation between the two companies. They already have that partnership. They already have that you know synergy. I would love to see that expanded upon. I would love to see that be because here's the thing. Um, we're talking about a promotion that, and, and if it's not on your radar, it's it. Truth be told, it's it's hasn't been for the longest time. It's just not a style that I can sink my teeth into for for long periods of time. Hottest promotion of the year, right? I mean, the, and I will say, Fantastic Mania last year, last year, last year, this year was an absolute blast. I it was. loved it so much, and it's it's only going to get better. I think. Yeah. So uh, again, if we can. You know, if you really want to be honest here, if you want to hit your wagon to a hot promotion, that might be the one. That might be the one. And like the the, the idea of dream matchups. I mean, come on, I think there's plenty to be had. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm hoping we see more of that. That would be to me. That would make 2024 that much more exciting. Like to have that extra element of them being more in the mix, that's what that's what we're looking for, no doubt. It's a bit pie in the sky, but I would really love to see Andrade have some involvement, maybe just like a Andrade versus Naito match or something. While he's doing that CMLL stint before, presumably he goes back to WWE. I don't know what his plans are, but that is something I'd really love to see. Um, all right, last bit of news to touch on is the New Japan Concurso, the bodybuilding competition. Uh, Damon, have you had a chance to see the entries for that? The, the winner was Doki, who has some truly impressive back knee, and his body looks so good. I, I don't know why the guy's wearing a shirt. He needs to get rid of that. If that's one change you want in New Japan in 2024, Doki lose the shirt. But uh, yeah, anyone else stand out to you in the entries? All right. Well, why don't I just go uh, go through? Why don't I? Uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi for a gentleman. Who, look, like his back is very well defined. Very. His back is more impressive than anything else. Like he he. He does not take a day off when it comes to back. Uh, Shota uh, looking all greased up, abs rocking. He's rocking those that that six pack. Kojima for a dad. Yep, he's got that. Oh, he's got the bread in his abs as well. Okay, good. He's looking good. Uh, Homna tan, greased up. Uh, look, what are you gonna do? Uh, just a fucking pervert, man. <laughs> The one shot of him with his gut hanging out, just kind of slouching. <laughs> so great. And, of course, the money shot there. Uh, <laughs> Bent over with his ass cheeks spread wide apart. If you've not seen that, He's do just yourself a, a favor. Just a maniac. Um, he just loves showing off his ass and his dick. And he just loves it. He loves it. Um, all right, yeah. Watto. I mean, look. He looks like a Oh, wow. Look at that guy. All right. Uh, Nakashima. I like Nakashima a lot. I like the fact that he's got a little paunch. He's got a little, I don't know, it feels very throwbacky to me. Yeah. We need to bring back that, you know, like the Shinya Hashimoto body. Yeah. Yes. I'm in. Like, I hear sometimes he gets a little bit, you know, I don't want to say bullied, but, uh, you know, he's the butt of a couple jokes here and there. And nah, he's going to be, I, I guarantee you he'll be a star. I'm going to say it right now. He's going to be a fucking star. Uh, Oscar. Ooh, look at that back. Looking good. Look, he's got, look at his arms. 
His arm. He's beefed up, man. Oh, he, I, I was, was going to talk about him. But the pair of them, they, they call themselves Youngbloods, that Nakashima and Oscar Loeber team have really impressed me on those Road 2 shows. And Oscar, he's, he's packing on the muscle. He's He's got that monster in him. Yep. And so excited for him. All right. I mean, Desperado. Would, oh, Desperado showing off a little ass edge as well. All right. Uh, I'm, oh, man. Yu Yurema looks fucking good. Looks like a pro wrestler. Doki. Doki won, huh? Huh. I mean, I'm, I mean, he looks good. Don't get me wrong, but. Oh, okay. Clark Connors ripped out of his fucking skull. Oh, my God. Drill Maloney. Holy shit. Who cares? Clark Connors and Driller, junior heavyweight. <laughs> That's a good one. Is that the most preposterous thing <laughs> you've heard all year? This guy is, he looks like the fucking ultimate warrior. Jesus Christ. He looks like Road Warrior Hawk. That, like, look at the. Yeah, I'm trash. genuinely worried that Driller might explode at some point. <laughs> Tokyo <laughs> Holy moly. I mean, seriously, paint his fucking face, give him a reverse mohawk. That dude is fucking Road Warrior Hawk. God damn. Damn. All right. And then he came in second place, by the way. Ah, uh, he should have won. God, fuck. Yeah, he's the dude is ripped. He's got muscles on his muscles. Fucking A. Yeah, junior heavyweight. That's fucking laughable. All right. You know what I was thinking about the other day? Not to derail the show. I was thinking about junior heavyweights and how, like, sorry, this is old man yelling at a cloud, but like junior heavyweights back in the day were all brick shithouses. Like, they were just built. Like, Liger, if it wasn't for, you know, being small, he'd be a heavyweight. He's just a massive fucking dude and super strong. Like, all those junior heavyweights that felt like during that time were were pretty built, weren't they? They were just, like, fucking brick shit. Dean Malenko and... um, It's just, I don't know. Like, I just think that's something that I, I feel is missing but maybe it's not but fucking drill that's for sure all right i'll get off my old man's soapbox and uh joel why don't you uh steer the ship right into a fucking iceberg okay i just wanted to quickly touch on the road to tokyo dome show it's not going to go match by match or anything i'm just going to pick out uh, a couple of things first was the callum newman versus tomohiro ishii match which was really good I, i really enjoyed it it was the ishii match you know we've all seen it before but newman was there he was hanging with him every step of the way he's Obviously worked really hard. He's committed himself to these tours. He's starting to get himself over with the New Japan domestic fans. And I think there's reason to be excited there. Now, that is also always tinged with the caveat of at any point, Tony Khan is swooping and, and taking him away because we know that he likes uh, signing uh, tall, athletic white guys from New Japan. So there is that. And that kind of makes me want to keep him at arm's length and not get too invested in him. But everything I've heard behind the scenes, I've spoken to a lot of people and they've got nothing but just glowing praise for Callum Newman and what a great guy he is and how committed he is. So yeah, you, you draw your own line in the sand and how excited do you want to get about Callum Newman? But if, if people in the company are anything to go by, this guy's got a, a hell of a future ahead of him. Yeah. I mean, from everything that we've heard, the, the dude is super committed to new Japan. Like it's not even a thought in his head of going anywhere else or doing, you know, signing anywhere else or anything like that. Like he wants to make a name for himself in new Japan, which listen, I'm, I'm all for, I love it. That, <laughs> thank God. Thank God. Somebody's saying it. Um, I thought the match was good. I thought the match was really good. Um, I don't know if I'm going to go put it in the, the voices of wrestling branded notebook, but, uh, 
I thought it was very good. Um, and I, but 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 I will say this as well. I thought that whole show was a little bit weird, right? I think I think the 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 first show at Corkin, I really liked, and the second show felt like I don't. It's just the same promotion I'm, I'm watching because uh, I don't know. I got I got weird vibes during that second show. Yeah, first one I thought they knocked out of the park. Second one, yeah, was a swing and a miss for me. But uh, I think one of the big successes from those shows was the never six-man title defense. Ooh. So that was uh, Okada Tanahashi Ishii successfully defending against Hinare, Jeff Cobb, and Great Okan. I can't remember how long it went. It went like 40 minutes or something. Yes. It was it a was But I love this, man. This was when it was so good I had to edit and put it in the awards bowl for match year. And I'm sure it will get some votes. First of all, let's throw the flowers at the dream team, Okada, Ishii, Tanahashi. They have done stuff with this never six-man title. I mean, I said a couple of years ago what Ishii and Yano, not Yano, Ishii, Goto and Yoshihashi did with it. Like, they rehabilitated it and made it a thing. But Okada, Tanahashi, Ishii have taken it to a next level. So they are in with a solid shout of being tag team of the year. That, that trio is just from start to finish the whole year they've been putting in excellent title defenses so they were tremendous they're obviously the 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 match the showcase part of the match was the Ishii and Henare segments and I just Henare what what more can we say about him he there are doubters there have been doubters all throughout the year but they are coming around and they've quieted down and everyone like even on our discord where there's been some people who really sort of dragging their feet on Henare but I think after this match, everyone, everyone has acknowledged now nah, this guy, this guy's got it, and this guy deserves more than he's getting in the company. Because I was I was really heartbroken actually when this match finished and, and their team lost, because I was pulling for Hanari, but the more offense he was getting, and I was just like, oh no, he's not gonna win, is he? And and that turned out to be the case. Because I thought that the United Empire team would be a really good trios champion. I was hoping, oh, maybe we'll get a you know, the never six-man gauntlet match in Wrestle Kingdom, but Maybe there's a bit of uncertainty about the future of of people in that. You know, Jeff Cobb is he going to stick around with New Japan? Is there going to be interest elsewhere? So that could be a, a factor in the, the belts not changing hands. But I really think, if nothing else, this was a, a coming out party for Henare, who all throughout the year has has been proving everybody wrong and, and showing that he's got what it takes. Look, there's no one on planet Earth that I would rather watch more than a New Japan Pro Wrestling main event when it clicks. Um, these titles have gone through uh, various uh, volumes of importance, right? And it really depends upon who's carrying the, the titles at the time. And it's not the titles that make the wrestlers. It's the wrestlers that make the titles. Uh, unbelievable. Like, this is, this is what we all watch, right? This is why we watch this. Um, 40 minutes of, of really just hard-hitting, spectacular at times, fun, hard-hitting pro wrestling. Just this is what we want. It, and, and the storyline is simple, right? It's not hokey. It's not ridiculous. It's not – it's two teams fighting over a title. That's it. That's it. That's that. There's your recipe. And you might want to sprinkle in – unbelievable talent to boot right um if we're throwing flowers at hanare let's let me get my share in there um hanare 
has always been, a, a, in my mind, a really good striker. But I think his strikes have gone to another level. And in particular, headbutts and knees. Like when he delivers some of those knees, they are great. Um, and the fact that anyone can walk out of the ring uh, after taking one of those because they look ferocious. Um, my hat's off to the dude. Like it looks great. Um, I I was hyped for them to win. Like I wanted them to win as well, Joel. I was on the edge of my chair wanting that uh, United Empire team to win. Um, I almost... And it's been a while since I was responding to a New Japan match with that kind of emotion. Correct. Correct. And it's simple, right? It's simple. Uh, it, I, I can't imagine anyone thinking that match was, wasn't at least good and not great. I, I would just question what 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 is it? How could it be? Um, people were saying a lot of people were saying they would have gone five stars had Henare won. I do too. Um, uh, like again, I was rooting for him very hard. There is a small part of me though. I like the fact that they they went the other way. They and maybe it's just because they wanted to. Go the other the other way, you know what I mean? To to have everyone just fucking, you know, to have them swerve us, as they say. Uh, and you're right, there has been rumblings of of you know maybe some of the reason for the title change not occurring is that maybe you know we might see different people um, in United Empire uh, in 2024, maybe early 2024. So. Uh, so little, some changes there that may have impacted that. Um, and I think some might be disappointing and I, but we're also hearing some things might be good. So, uh, or at least let's say this very different, very different. So we'll see. We'll see we're, it's, it's, uh, the match itself was great. I can't throw enough flowers at it. And I know recency bias is a thing, but damn it. it like I, I, I turned off that that fucking new Japan stream. And I was like, whoo, that was one of the best matches I've seen all year. That was one of the best matches I've seen all year. And also on these shows, we had Taichi successfully defending and becoming the uh, KOPW champion for 2023 with uh, la- a whiskey ladder match against Yoshinobu Kanemaru, which was an interesting one. Cause it wasn't like your typical ladder match. It was a classic Kanemaru leg match that just happened to involve whiskey and a ladder. So I, I kind of like that. It was a bit refreshing. It wasn't just ladder spot start to finish. They got the ladder out of the way pretty quickly and then uh, did, did the leg match, which I enjoyed. And it's just the absolute absurdity of all that bucket of whiskey getting splashed all over the ring and then having to replace the ring afterwards and have a massive delay. That was very, very funny. So uh, I have enjoyed the, the KPW output this year. I think Taichi's been really good for it and there's been a lot of creative stuff so that leads us into our Wrestle Kingdom preview where our pre-show match is the KOPW Rambo where the final four will be facing off in a four-way match at New Year Dash to crown the provisional 2024 KOPW champion so obviously we've got a lot of guys Damon who didn't make the main cards let's go over those let's let's let's, let's, you got a list in front of you because I got a couple names yes so this this is not confirmed or anything, but this is just people who are not on the main card. And some of these guys will be seconding guys on the main card. But we got names like Ishii, Taichi, Henare, Sho, Yo, Masa Wato, Gabe Kidd, 
Doki, Shane Haste, Great O'Khan, Jeff Cobb, Kenta, Robbie Eagles, Taiji Ishimori. And again, I'm not saying all these guys are going to be in the Rambo. Some of them may not even be flying over. And, you know, we know you can't get everyone on the main cards. And, and I do respect the fact that New Japan have picked their guys that they want to showcase on the main card. And that's it, rather than trying to crowbar everyone in with multi-man matches. But it's, I mean, I just I, I worry about how guys will be feeling, that, particularly guys like... Henare and, and Watto and Gabe Kidd, who've had really impressive years. You'd be thinking, like, what more do they have to do to get themselves a, a spot on the biggest show of the year? Yeah. I mean, there's some names. There are, there, there are, I feel like there are, like, it's not just hand waved kind of guys. They're guys that, like, you put in a, a decent spot will shine. You don't think Tai Chi could have a great match on Wrestle Kingdom? You don't think Robbie Eagles could have a great match at Wrestle Kingdom? You don't think. Jeff Cobb could have a great match. Gabe Kidd, uh, you know, show, yo. I mean, you know, your mileage may vary. Uh, great O'Conn. Like, these aren't, you know, these aren't hand-wavy type of names. Um, so, look, you're right. You, we can't squeeze in 10 pounds of shit in a five-pound bag. I get it. I, I do. F- look, I, the card is the card, right? The card is the card. But there are lots of names that we rattled off that busted their ass all year. And you know what? Maybe they fucking hit the Rambo, quick shower, and they beat traffic, and they're at the bar by, you know, intermission. (laughs) Right? Maybe. And maybe that's what they want. They get the, you know, maybe. I I doubt it, though. Um, And I I hope a lot of those guys stick with it. And a lot of those guys get the breaks that... You know, we're all hoping for. And and again, a lot of names, a lot of names on that list that seem could fit in over maybe some of the other names. But it is what it is. Let's get excited for what it is. All right. Give me your prediction and give us the final four for the New Year Dash KPW four-way. Yeah, I'll go Ocon. I'll go Gabe Kidd. I'll go Shane Haste. And I'll go, yo. Interesting. I'm going to go Henare, Taichi, Show, and Gay Kid as well. Okay. Great Okan, where are you? <laughs> where, where are you? Yeah, I mean, he he was arguably the the weakest part of that six six man match, wasn't he? I mean, he wasn't bad but he needs a change I don't think he's he doesn't look happy he doesn't look motivated at the moment maybe freshen up the gimmick I, I think the whole of United Empire needs a bit of a shake up a bit of coat of new paint new blood to to get things off the ground there because yeah it's been, been a wild year for them yep no doubt um, okay then we move on to the main card and our first match on the show will be the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Championship match with the champions, Driller Maloney and Clark Connors, with their fourth defense against the Challenger team, the Super Junior Tag League winners, Catch 2-2, Francesco Acura and TJP. Now, they did a coffin match, which I didn't enjoy at all. Like, the, the spots with them really slowly trying to close the coffin lid and the referees <laughs> trying to pull up. It was, yeah, it was ridiculous. I didn't like that at all. And I'm not sure why they did it. I, I think they did it because TJP is he's cooking something, some sort of rebirthing, some sort of repackaging, because he's the one who got shot in the coffin. So I think he's going to have something planned for possibly this entrance, maybe a gimmick change. 
costume. I don't know what it is, mm-hmm. but I think this maybe it's a Bushiro thing. Apparently, they they told Stardom to do a coffin match as well, so it could just be like a directive, more gimmick matches from Kidani. I don't know, but uh, I would expect to see something different from TJP. And uh, as much as I have loved Driller and Clark, I think they'd be really great, and I'd be very happy for them to retain. I think Catch 2-2 will win this, and because I just think it would be weird for them to pull off whatever it is that they're doing, this this new coat of paint, and then lose the match. Right. Uh, and I also think United Empire could do with, with a bit of rub as well. So um, I will pick Catch 2-2 to win. And I'm also really excited for this match. As much as the coffee match disappointed me, I think this is the perfect way to be kicking off a Wrestle Kingdom. And I have no doubt these guys are going to get plenty of time to, to put on a, a killer way to start Wrestle Kingdom. Uh, I agree with you a thousand percent that if we're going by who's delivered during 2023, and we've said it a trillion times on this show, junior heavyweight tags. Like they've knocked that out of the park all year long. Um, so to have a, a nice little singles match for uh, giving give them a little bit of time, get the crowd going. Um, I'm curious, and I don't have the answers in front of me, and I don't want need you to look. Um, you know. If you want to knock yourself out, um, I'm curious as to how many times a tag title has changed hands in that opening match for the junior tag uh, championship. I would not be surprised if it's a decent amount. Um, just again, just to get the people's juices flowing. Um, I'm going to go with the title change as well. Going to go with the title change as well uh, for the reasons you said. You know, people, I, I. I um, it's hard to do because there's so much after. I'm not going to say they're going to steal the show, but what they're going to do is they're going to set the bar for the evening. Yes. You know what I mean? And I think that is great. Mm. I want them to walk back through that curtain and be like, all right, boys, stage is yours. Ring's yours. Here's beat that. You know, I kind of want that. I hope there that there is some type of, you know, internal good-natured competition. Because uh, I think the bar will be set very high for opening match. Yeah, and also, you know, for the amount of moaning I've done about them not pushing and elevating new talent, let's celebrate the fact that Driller and Clark are in this spot and have fully deserved it. So a success story of a couple of relatively young guys being given the ball and running with it and getting a reward at the end of that. So well done, New Japan. The junior tag, the never six-man belts and the junior tag titles have been probably the two best booked divisions this year yeah which which is really saying something so well done let's, let's celebrate that all right uh, match number two is the 50 minute time in the njpw world tv championship match with the challenger uh, el presidente hiroshi tanahashi taking on the champion zach Sabre jr uh i've said i mean this is not one i'm particularly excited by just for the fact that they have wrestled each other in singles matches what 11 times before however let's let's understand that 15 minute caveat could make a difference there i would love to see them go out and wrestle uh, you know high intensity high pace high urgency not do the standard you know let's fuck around for eight minutes and then pack all the stuff into the closing stretch and the match finishes at at 14 minutes and 58 seconds Uh, i would love to see them just go all out straight away knowing that the time is not on their side and show something a, a bit different i don't know if Tanahashi's body couldn't hold up for that, but uh, that is what I'd like to see anyway. And this could be a, a case if Zach does lose, which I don't think he will. It could be a case of him losing upwards because 
I really think he is a guy with all these departures and, and everything changing. He is a guy who has said he is committed to staying in Japan with New Japan. So he's a guy I would like to see elevated and, and get a main event push. So maybe that starts here. I don't know. Probably not. I, there, there are other people I would rather see um, getting the rub for this really long and really impressive TV championship run. I'd like to see a young guy winning that from Zach rather than Tanahashi. But um, yeah, I'd say Zach retains. Um, yeah, I think so too. I, and I, I've, 2024, I think, is going to be one of those years for Zach that cements his legacy in New Japan. Like, I think it's going to be, we're going to make him even more uh, and take more of the reins and and be a little bit more front and center. And I, I'm all for it. I, I, I can't think of another guy that might be more deserving than him. Uh, Tanahashi, 15 minutes, I think, is the perfect spot for him, you know? Go, go give, him, give us the sprint. It, it's, here's the thing. It's the Tokyo Dome. And I don't know what's in the water. I don't know what, you know, maybe there's a special potion backstage that makes it makes it work for the gentleman. But I will never count out Hiroshi Tanahashi in a singles match uh, against an opponent that has, again, they've worked a lot together. But I think that's a benefit. Like, there is there's not going to be a lot of feeling out. You know what I mean? Like, these guys have worked together a lot. And I think they complement each other very well. And I think it's just a win-win all the way around, honestly. Um, I'll say Zach retains, but uh, I, w- I, w- I would not cry in my pillow if he lost just to lose upward. Third match then is a special singles match between Yotosuji and Yo Uemura, which they built on the Roti Tokyo Dome show. So. Yeah, again, let's let's give New Japan some credit yep. here for giving spots on the card of their biggest show of the year to their young guys. These guys are going to be the future. Now, I would have preferred for them to be in more prominent spots against other established people rather than against each other. But again, I'm not going to relitigate that. I just I want to applaud. Well done. You got them on the cards. Uh, and, and plenty of people have been left off. So I think this is a feather in their cap and, and we're moving in the right direction here. And the Yuya Uemura debut has not been... To everyone's liking, I would have loved to see the rocket strap on him, but you know, maybe that's just not how New Japan are going to do things these days. But he did get the final pin of 2023, he won that main event, and he also got the win the, the prior night as well. So it looks like they are getting behind Yuya. Um, so that's something to be excited about. And yeah, I mean, they've wrestled each other plenty of times before as young lions, and now meeting again in a singles match at the Tokyo Dome. This is this is a hell of a spot, Damon. Yeah, it's a big chapter, right? It's in, the, in, the, in the book that will be told when these guys retire, trust me, they're using footage from this match in a lot of video packages. There's no fucking doubt in my mind. Uh, Slow and steady wins the race, I guess, right? Slow and steady wins the race. And... You know, people may might agree or disagree with the, the idea of slow and steady wins the race. I don't know if management changes anything, but um, am I happy with the, the, the speed? I, I understand the speed. I understand why we're why New Japan does what it does. I, I, I truly do. Um, my biggest concern was that this was going to be a chaotic year and I wanted us to be in a position where 
that transition that was next band up and, and, and we're ready to go. And we still might see that. I'm thrilled that they found a way to get something of this nature on the show because other than, than the fact that I think that we, we all really want to see this, um, it's important to kind of put that little flag in, 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 in the sand and say, okay, here's another benchmark moment in the career of these guys. Um, and I think that's important as well. So I'm looking forward to it. I think the match will be solid. I don't know if it's going to blow the doors off the fucking building, but I, what I'm looking for is chemistry between each other. I'm looking for chemistry with working the crowd. I'm working for, I'm looking for, I'm looking for next level. And when it comes to their presence and their uh, ring of presence, their star ability. Like that's really what I'm looking for. They're not young lions anymore. We're past that point. What I need to see is connection with a crowd working a match against each other to say, okay, this is, this is at the very least mid card stuff for the foreseeable future. I was actually sort of dipping back into the Voices of Wrestling archives to see if there's reviews for Hello, Esther. You're having a walk. Ah. Lovely. Lovely stuff. Yeah. Yeah, so I was just going back to see some reviews of their first matches together and I've stumbled across Tomohiro Ishii versus Toa Hinare on Road to Wrestling Dontaku 2018. So, uh, yeah, interesting stuff there. All right, uh, fourth match, we have a special tag match with Kaito Kiyomiya and Shota Umino teaming up to face Evil and Ren Narita. So, again, let's say, well done. They've got Narita and they've got Shota onto the show. Maybe not in the spots we would have liked. There's a lot of people hand-waving this tag match. I, I don't hate it, actually. And what excites me about this is, one, I, I'm interested to see what the House of Torture iteration of Ren Narita looks like. Is it just going to be the usual shenanigans and interference spots, or is he going to be doing something a bit different? Is this uh, is there any juice to this Evil and Ren tag team? Can they actually be entertaining? Is this something we might want to look at as future challenges in that division? And also Keito Kiyomiya, because this is a guy who has been given two tournament spots. He's been in World Tag League. He's been in the Grade 1 Climax. Now he's got a spot on the biggest show of the year. And I'm starting to think that there is an awful lot of smoke here. This is an awful lot of time an investment and big spots being given to a guy who does not work for the company. Right. So now I'm eyeballing this one and thinking, is this guy signing with New Japan in 2024? Look, I I praise um, the shows that we do every single year with Kevin Kelly, right? Because um, I think they're some of the most honest, heartfelt, true uh, opinions, right? It's amazing to me how much <laughs> like venom is is uh, is spewed in that direction. I mean, do you are are you, we don't know anything? Let, let's be very clear. I don't know anything. Do you know something uh, that I don't know? Um, but yeah, wh- why is this one particular person getting all these opportunities on New Japan shows? It does it it does raise 
more questions than than anything else, doesn't it? Uh, yeah, and I I would look if he's. I'm, I was about to say, if he's serious, he, he's obviously serious. Like, you spelled it out. It's been show spots after spots after spots. Um, he's. I think he'll be with New Japan sooner rather than later. And I think that will be a really big get for the company. I definitely see a lot of star potential in him, despite what Kevin might say, and despite what the Noah booking team might say. Right. Uh, I think there's, there's there's a lot of juice, there, a lot of upside there. So, um, particularly if you know Okada does leave the company, Kaito, I think will be in an, an interesting addition to help sort of freshen things up and have this you know big glut of young, hungry, extremely talented guys in this power vacuum all, all jostling for top spot. So. Um, yeah, looking forward to this one. Um, all right, then fifth match, we have the Never Openweight Championship match with Shingo Takagi, the champion with his second defense uh, defending against Tamatonga. Uh, this is probably the match I'm most down on. I'm just, I liked it the first time. They 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 had a pretty good match in the States. I don't know why we're running again. I really feel it should have been Henare in the spot just based on the interactions and the history between Shingo and Henare this year. That's what it felt like they were building towards. So Tamatonga in there just feels like a, a square peg in a round hole, but you know, hopefully they can channel some of that never open weight title spirit, and let's say they're given fifteen minutes to go out there and, and prove me wrong. Basically, shut me up and, and make me come back after January fourth and say, you know what, I've got to hand it to Tamatonga. He had an absolute banger here. He deserves a spot. Well done. Look, I would, I would love that. I would love, I would absolutely do cartwheels if that were the case. The problem is, is that we've been proven the other way, where we've given the benefit of the doubt and we've kind of left what our dicks in our hand. You know, or it's like. Okay, <laughs> to that, you know, it feels like lots of opportunities have been thrown that way. Um, I don't think I think there are lots of people that we had when we ramp when we rattled off that Rambo uh, that we would have preferred to see in that spot, right? Don't I mean? Let's put it this way, Ishi. Taichi, Hinare, uh, Gabe Kidd, uh, Shane Haste, Okan, Cobb. A lot of people that I feel like we would much rather have seen in that spot than Tamatanga. Tamatanga has the spot. So now I'm going to try to channel all of my vibes to say, okay, you're in there with a beast. You're in there with Shingo, uh, who has a track record of giving get, getting the best out of people. Spotlight's yours. Ring's yours. Create what you need to create. Um, and, and the proof will be in the pudding. Like, I'm not going to judge it on anything else. Past history, what I would want, blah, blah, blah. Uh, look, if this match shits to bed, Trust me, I'm going to be sitting on my couch thinking, what the fuck? This could have been anybody, any of the names I rattled off, and it would have been 10,000 times better. But when that bell rings, the, the floor is yours. Come come up with it. Make it happen. Make it work. Because uh, here's the thing. I want it to work. I would have no, I would, uh, there's nothing more that I would want when we do the review show and be like, wow, we, we fucking missed the mark there. That turned out to be great. Nothing would make me happier. And who's your prediction for a winner? I would like to see 
Shingo win because I think Shingo is exactly what we want from our you know stereotypical leather openweight champion and him having you know circa 15 minute bangers having the work rate matches that we all love so much uh, would be something I would like to continue against a range of opponents preferably from different weight classes as well if they want to actually do the open weight stuff that will be cool that's more in hope than expectation though yeah I think so, I say, I, I'm rooting Shingo know, all the way sorry I'm rooting Shingo all the way only because it would put it the rest right because guess what? If fucking Tama Tonga wants, does now Shingo challenge for a rematch? And I mean, unless Shingo wins, we move on. Because that'll that'll put a that will move on. And that's what I'm rooting for. Let's move on. All right. Then the next match we have is our sixth match. The IWGP Tag Team and Strong Openweight Tag Team Championship match with uh, Bishamon, the IWGP Tag Champions and World Tag League winners with their third defense against the strong openweight tag team champions and World Tag League runners-up, El Fantasma and Hikaleo. I thought they had a, a really brilliant match in the World Tag League final. I, I know some op- other opinions are out there, but I thought they did a really good job. Despite the 40 minutes they spent, I thought they filled it up really well. So I'm excited for this match as like a, a post, not postscript for that, like the next chapter of this. I said before, it's like the the extra time periods after a long, grueling, you know, two-legged football match semi-final or something. So I think they could do some interesting stuff with that. Again, I would like to see them work at a sprint and play into the fact that this is a continuation of the match they had before and lead into some of the, the spots and the little story beats that played out during their previous encounters because that's always the sort of thing we like to see to reward the the patient, attentive, long-term viewers for, for New Japan. And hard to pick a winner here. I, According to some of the interviews, I think in the interview did with uh, Kieran of WrestleIn, El Fantasma mentioned that his... See, that's how you cite sources, guys. Uh, ELP mentioned that his contract was going to be up soon. So whether or not he... Re- Resigns, we've yet to see. Maybe he has resigned already. Maybe he's kayfabing it. But there's that little bit of doubt there that makes me hesitant to say that God win this. However, I just think with all the great work that ELP has done in 2023, building that babyface underdog energy and always having those near misses, I really think it's time to give him the big win here in front of the Tokyo crowds, and, and I think they'll respond really well to that. So I'm picking ELP and Hikolo as the winners. Excellent. Um, and, and don't worry, I, I transcribed the entire conversation so, <laughs> of their podcast. <laughs> I'll post that shortly. Um, here's the thing. I, you got to praise New Japan when it's, when it's time to praise. And I hear, and here we are. Uh, ELP and Hikaleo have been a really fun tag team. And, and I know that you were on that bandwagon early. Uh, and I think m- people have come around more and more to it. Um, look, it's a fresh face. They're, they're, it's 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 at least someone new, uh, and and you, your mileage may vary, but I, I I think it's a good thing just having the fresh faces in the mix. That being said, I like Yoshihashi and 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 Hiroki Goto as a tag team. Um, I like the fact that they have established. Dominance. Um, I like the fact that you can count on them for good matches. I like the fact that, you know, I, I hate saying it gives guys something to do, but okay, it gives them something to do. Um, and I think they work well as a team. And I think it, just everything makes sense to keep that momentum going with them. Um, so, yeah, I'm totally okay with a, a successful defense, and, and that's what I'll go with. 
uh, because I, I just think there's so much to me. I think that there's so much more opportunity for cool things to do with Goto and, and Yoshihashi um, new challenges. And I kind of like the, the, the big, I don't know. I, I just like the way that they kind of carry themselves as tag champions. So yeah, I'm, I'm saying a successful defense. Okay, okay, now we move on to the six, uh, seventh match, sorry, which is the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship match with Hiromu Takahashi, his eighth defense against the challenger El Desperado. I think the, this is one of the matches where I'd say the build has not been great. Obviously, these two have got a, a huge amount of history together, but it feels like they've not really tapped into that in any meaningful emotional way. Their Super Juniors final in 2020 is one of my favourite matches of all time. I've written essays on that that went in the Voices of Wrestling year-end New Japan ebook. So I love this pairing more than most people. But I felt since that point it's been diminishing returns. I thought their subsequent, the, the Wrestle Kingdom match they had and the best of Super Juniors final that they had were did, didn't, live, didn't live up to that. It was the kind of match, that 2020 final, where I thought this is perfect don't go back to that well for a few years. Just let it rest and don't keep flogging that dead horse. And we're back here again. I don't know. It doesn't feel that Desperado is a particularly credible challenger. It just feels like Hiromu is going to be chugging on full steam ahead to get this defense reign. And I feel that we're looking maybe at a Master Wato again, or maybe even Kosei Fujita to be the guy who gets the rub from this uh, Hiromu Reign rather than El Desperado. And I, I don't know what's next for Despi after this. Maybe he's moving up to heavyweight. I think he could certainly do that. But I am thinking this is most likely to be a Hiromu win. However, I will say this, um, having this match in front of a cheering crowd, I believe this is the, the first time for a while. I think, is it maybe they're, was it a wrestling? No, they were building Kizuna? for this. Yeah. No, yeah. Was it a, I mean, I know they've wrestled each other before in Best of the Super Juniors uh, 2018. Maybe I think there was a title match as well, Kizuna Road 2018, where Hiromu took off Despi's mask. So they have wrestled in front of cheering crowds before, but the, the juicy part, the meaty part of their feud has been in front of the clap crowd. So, right. yeah, let's see what they can do in front of a cheering Tokyo Dome crowd. I'm sure they'll be able to, to do something special here. Let, let, let's give them the benefit of doubt and get excited for this one. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I look, I'm with you in the sense that the the hype for the match it seems like it's been lost and and maybe more could have been done to put to put a spotlight on it but this is my sleeper uh i think people lots of people are sleeping on this match um hot crowd noisy tokyo dome uh big spot big spotlight they've been waiting a while to be able to pull this off uh these two guys have a great history together and here's what I would love to say. I, I want to see a little bit of the, of the danger. I do want to see a little bit of the grittiness of, a, of, of what a junior match can be with these two. I don't want this to be Super Delphin versus fucking Great Sasuke. You know what I mean? I don't want necessarily graceful. I want high-flying shit that looks like it hurts. Um. And I think that if they stick with that type of match, that this could be a blo- a blockbuster. This could be a a a match that we all will will talk about when we when we review. Um, so yeah, 
do I think there's going to be a title change? I don't. Uh, and I think the story continues with Hiromu on, on his march. And, yep, maybe we do see some of the younger guys stepping up. Uh, I'm, I'm hoping and praying it's not Master Watto, to be honest with you. Because to me, um, look, uh, truth be told, I don't think anybody in the fucking Rambo should be challenging anybody. You're in the fucking Rambo for a reason. You know what I mean? Like, it's it, like to me, th- anybody who challenges, like if I see fucking Taiji Ishimori walking out, uh, I'm going to jump off a bridge. You know, I, I kind of want, I, I don't know, I kind of, I do want something special if there's a challenge post-match. I want it to be, I want it to be impactful. I want it to be something that's, that's, sexy and i and i think just by placing people in a rambo you've made it so that it's hard for me to take it seriously if you're challenging coming out of the rambo because again you're in the rambo for a reason all right uh then we move on to the eighth match which is the iwgp global heavyweight championship inaugural champion three-way match where we have we're still recording, aren't we? Yes, we are. I hope. I, don't, I just got an email of saying uh, the files for your recording are ready from Zencaster. So I'm assuming that's the walk into. Those are the, yeah, that was the first. I'm going <laughs> yeah. yeah, to on. carry on. Uh, so we've got Will Ospreay, uh, three match. Will Ospreay versus John Moxley versus David Finlay. Uh, and caveat here Ospreay says that if he wins, he is going to challenge Okada or invite Okada to challenge him for the belt at Battle in the Valley. Yeah, this is just a weird one for me because I, I'm trying to pass out what outcome has the biggest benefit to NJPW because David Finney is a guy who's not really convinced at this level. Um, people are have still have him firmly on fraud watch. I think earlier in the year, he looked really encouraging sort of around New Japan Cup time, but kind of regressed during the G1 and, and maybe now is starting to show more of what made me excited about him in the first place. But he really needs to, to show up here and and prove me and everybody else wrong. And it's just a, a weird thing because he is the heel. He's the bad guy. We're supposed to be booing him, but he is also the only full-time New Japan guy in this match. So we have him challenging for this title against John Moxley, who's a full-time AEW guy who just does not lose in New Japan. And Will Ospreay, a guy who will be leaving New Japan to go to AEW. So uh, again, I said this at the time when it was booked, who am I supposed to be cheering for here? Like, what is the outcome here that is, is good for New Japan? Because if this belt goes to John Moxley, then you know we're, we're probably not going to see it for another six months. Does it go to Will Ospreay? Is this going to be some sort of cross-promotional thing where he's defending it on, in, on AEW and we're supposed to be getting excited about that? No, thank you. Is he? Is it Ospreay winning it and then losing it to Okada? Again, I'd say that's a bit suspect to have one of Ospreay's final matches putting over young up-and-comer whippersnapper Kazuchika Okada. I, I think that would be a bit of a weird choice as well. So the only outcome I see here, like the most interesting outcome, would be David Finley winning it. So that's what I'm going to tang my hat on here. And hopefully he turns up and has a, a great performance and shows that he deserves this spot and wins this title and goes on to do interesting things with it. But there's always that nagging doubt at the back of my mind that he has been put into this match because Tony Khan doesn't want Ospreay or Moxley eating a fool so maybe Finley's there just to be the pin eater I don't know I, I can't really make sense of this one so uh, keeping it at arm's length so many loose ends to this match right it's like it, it's and, and I mean that in in not the best way right so we're like you know we're speculating about 
who's coming, who's going, who politically motivated uh, match results. And uh, like, I know people say, well, just sit back and watch it. <laughs> well, sorry, pea brain. I'm not doing that. <laughs> right? This is the, I, I, I'll do it with every sport. I'll do it with everything. I don't give a fuck. That's how I consume it. Uh, the best option for New Japan is also maybe the least desirable for New Japan fans. Right? Um, I, I look. There's no doubt the match is going to be great. Right? I don't. I don't think anybody's. I don't think anybody's going to sit here and say this match is going to suck. It's not. It's going to be good. We know this. the The problem is is all the stuff that surrounds it. Will, will, <laughs> William, uh, lose on his way out. Will Will Finley be the guy to get the pinfall? Will uh, will they do a harebrained thing and give the title to Moxley and we won't see it for months? Um, Moxley doesn't lose on New Japan shows. Not to say that he sits there and says, I'm not losing, but go back and look. Look, at he doesn't lose, if history is any indicator. So it's all that and, and, to the, and add to the fact that, honestly, I don't think there's a person that, aside from David Finley and David Finley's mom, who wanted him in this match. Okay. He's in it. Um, I think... I'm, I, and I hate to say this, but I'm, I feel like I'm watching this match more for the other things than let's sit back and watch a great pro wrestling match. Um, that's, that's, but that's, if I'm being honest, I'm watching, I'm watching all the little clues and the breadcrumbs and this and that, and who's at ringside and who's, you know, all these ancillary things. Um, because the winner of the match has ramifications in 2024, but, um, like how they get the winner to me feels even more important than, uh, the winner itself. And, um, yeah, that's, those are the things that are going to keep me hanging on, on this match. Okay, so we move on then to the ninth match, which is the special singles match between Kazuchika Okada and Brian Danielson. There's a really good interview with Danielson on YouTube uh, for New Japan. He says he's going to break Okada's arm and, and talks a uh-huh. lot about how he resents Okada for breaking his arm and how he wasn't able to lift his children and drive his children to school and, and all that stuff. So, uh, yeah, I mean, my reservations from the first match aside, I thought it was a little bit disappointing. Hopefully, with them both fit and healthy, they could have... Uh, a, a really great match here in a huge spot. It's been interesting how for Western users of NJPW World, this is what appears on the Wrestle Kingdom poster rather than the, the main event. So if you if you check your New Japan Worlds, you will see that this is what is on the graphics rather than the, the Sonata Naito main event. And I mean, my question here is, do the Japan fans have any real investment in AEW Brian Danielson? Like if you even go back to when... Danielson first challenged and Okada responded to that. He did the yes thing, you know, yes, yes, pointing upwards. So it kind of feels like this is m- more Okada versus WWE's Daniel Bryan for, for the home fans. That's what it feels like. I, I, I'm not sure AEW has yet got any 
meaningful cachet with with the Japanese fans. And it feels like this is a match for the Western fans, which is fine. You know, they do that at Wrestle Kingdom and, and there could be upside to that. But AEW seems to work very hard to kind of emphasize this point that we've got a one-eyed Brian Danielson who's wrapping up a grueling tournament. He's not 100%. He's, you know, a shadow of his former self. He's in the twilight of his career. It just seems to be an absolute, like a lot of hard work being done to establish that Danielson is is weak going into this match, which is a little bit strange. I mean, I'm assuming Okada's going to win. He'll be my pick, but it feels like they have done a lot of excessive groundwork to, 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 to lay. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, whether or not Okada's going to stick around, are we looking at a match here between uh, an AEW guy and a future AEW guy? Who knows? I mean, it is again, this is a bit of a tricky one to approach. Hopefully Okada is sticking around. Um, and this is somewhat where, uh, a match where I can cheer and be like, yay, the New Japan guy. I want the New Japan guy to defeat the AEW guy and get his win back from Forbidden Door. But, uh, yeah, there's just a, 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 a bit of iffiness around this one. Yeah. Um, just as a side note, I waited three minutes for this joke, by the way, to come out. So here it comes. Hey, Joel, I also have a one-eyed Danielson. <laughs> Sorry. Horrible. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Love it. <laughs> I just, I just was holding my, just biting my tongue, just like, oh, I don't, <laughs> I don't want to step on him, but man, this one's really a zinger. No, you, you have, you, you have automatic right to be able to interrupt me if you have zingers like that. All right, All right. that's number one. Uh, the, look, we don't. Number two, I don't think we know any more than what we've known a week ago or two weeks ago. Um, we don't know if he's staying. We don't know if he's going. We don't know if uh, he's taking. Th- we don't know. Um, what we do know is what we said and what we reported, um, and multiple people confirming the same thing without much prompting, to be honest with you. Um, and that's that. Okada's contracts up. That there uh, have been at least contact and conversation uh, between Bloom and Okada and, and, and or Okada's people or something along those lines. Um, the, 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 that's it. That's it. So is there hope that Okada stays? Yes, of course there is. is. Does the new management give hope to that as well? I think so. Is this a situation where they fired people because of this. I'm going to give you honestly. I don't know. Could be. Could be. I don't know. Um, so I think a lot of people are watching this match very similar to what we were watching the last match on. Um, and I'm going to do my damnedest to not right to not try and read the fucking tea leaves and just let's take it for what it is. One. Uh, I got to You got to hand it to the fucking guy, uh, Brian Danielson, for for wrestling as often as he has been, and still, you know, pulling through with the show. Because trust me, I think a lot of people had the over on injuries through that uh, that G one ripoff thing that uh, AEW was doing. Um, two, or actually three, um. Uh, for a lot of people, this is the main event. For a lot of people, this is why they're purchasing this 
particular event or why they're subscribing to New Japan World, this match. Uh, and they have every right to, right? They have every right to because um, I think from, you know, if you're a fan of AEW and you watch that product, you, you, you're probably pretty hyped, right? With the idea of him wrestling in a Tokyo Dome against, uh, you know, his uh, guy's home turf. Uh, I think the match will be great. I think there's a lot on the line. I think I'm I'm curious as to a finish and and what that might look like. Um, and I don't. I, and here's the thing too. I don't think the finish of this match necessarily means people should have their opinion swayed one way or another on how this is going to end and what this is going to look like in the end. Um. And which is weird, because to me, if it feels like, and I could be dead wrong, I appreciate the the the, the work and the effort AEW has done to kind of tell a story with Brian Danielson going into this match, but it does feel like it's, it, this is a match that has not a lot of legs outside of this, right? It doesn't feel like this is a match that is building toward future matches between the two. Um, and I don't, maybe I missed a mark. Maybe, maybe it went over my head. Um, it feels like, like this is a, a, a second round of, 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 of a dream match. And, um, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. I worry. I just, look, I, I worry about the things that we've talked about a million times. I, I think the last thing new Japan pro wrestling needs and wants is for Okada to have that <laughs> Kazuchika Okada is is all elite. <laughs> I think people I would, would I would be so upset. That graphic would, <laughs> right? would make me vomit with rage. <laughs> you wouldn't be the only one, right? There are plenty of people that feel the same way. Look, there are people though that feel that wow, that's a that's a great thing for pro wrestling. That's that's going to be a great thing for pro wrestling. I, I'm hesitant on that. I'm very hesitant on that. That's, but that's what people are kind of looking at with this match. Yes, the match will be great. Yes, the match will be, uh, you know, as great as it possibly can be with those two guys in a big setting on a big show. Um, but but I hate to say it. I think people are are, are also in a state of concern, and I think they have every right to be. Um, as to what this means. And I guess I, I beg of them, and you, you consume the product how you want to consume the product, but I, I would caution that reading into too much of the match result um, as to what way this swings one way or the other. Main event, 10th match, IWGP World Heavyweight Championship match. The champion, Sanada, with his fifth defense against the challenger and G1 Climax winner, Tetsuya Naito. Oof, wow, where do we start with this one? I mean, the builds, some people have been building this match well. I think New Japan have done a good job. The video packages and stuff have been great. Walker and Chris have been working overtime to, to get the story over. And there is a really compelling story there. There's a great history between them. If you look in the right places, the way that Sanada has been building it, is not to my taste. And, you know, I've had all the Sonata fans explaining to me why it actually makes sense. You know, he's disrespecting Naito by refusing to talk about him and refusing to talk about him. Like, okay, fine. That's that's not for me. I want to see 
guys snarling at each other in the middle of the ring, having to be held back, and me thinking, fuck, these guys are going to tear each other's heads off when it gets to, to January 4th. So maybe that's on me and, and my sort of stereotypical view of how I think a, a main event should be built. But the way that Sonata's done it has has been controversial, to say the least. Um, and just it was summed up perfectly by that road to Tokyo Dome uh, main event at the end when they're waiting for the snow and the snow doesn't come and Sonata's left the ring and wandering around. <laughs> then the snow comes to an empty ring and then he wanders over to Chris Charlton and says, too late, and then walks off again. Like, that is just Sonata in a nutshell. And, and I don't know what's happened to him because I don't think it's accurate to say that the narrative is... He's always been like this. What did we expect? I really think he stepped it up. Again, same as Finley, sort of around between sort of March to June, July, I thought he was really, really good and changed, was shown a lot more intensity and better on the microphone and, and more dynamic in the ring. But something changed sort of in the middle of the G1. And since then, he's gone back to being Sleepy Sonata. I don't know if this is like a confidence thing or if he, you know, knows that he's not going to be winning. So he sort of mentally checked out. But I, I don't know what it is, but there's just been glaring red flags all over the place saying, this is not the guy. No, this is not the guy. This is not your world champion. So a lot of questions at Multiverse Aces, can Sonata Naito or anything else on Wrestle Kingdom reach the level of anticipation of Nakajima Miyahara 2, which could occur on one of all Japan's New Year shows? The angle was phenomenal or felt hotter than a lot of things New Japan did this year. But yeah, that's the kind of build I want to see. Uh, William says, does the mentality that the Japanese audience cares more outweigh any criticism for the Sonata Naito build to Wrestle Kingdom? And, and I don't think that is the case. I think I've, I've even seen criticism from Japanese fans. And again, I don't want to be doing the thing where all the Japanese fans think this. I'm not going to speak for them, but but the criticism is out there. And also, based on segments during their matches on this Road to Tokyo Dome shows, I have concerns about sloppy Sonata reappearing. There's a very real possibility that this match falls apart. You know, Sonata goes back into, falls back into his old habits and we get some clunky O'Connor roll or Destino stuff that gets falls apart and looks really messy and ugly and, and the match loses its way. You can't look me on the eye and say that is, there's no way that's going to happen. Yeah. Hopefully it doesn't. And hopefully this is just me being gloom and doom and, and they have a killer match. I'm sure that they're capable of it. Like Sonata on his best day against uh, Tokyo, Tokyo domain event Naito should be a killer match. It should be a, a, a clear match of the year candidate, but uh, I am not absolutely convinced that it will be. So, there's also the fear that maybe Sonata's going to win. I, I don't think he will. I think this, is, this should be a Naito win, and the story of 2024 should be all the young guns chasing after Naito and who's going to get get a crack at him, who's going to be the guy to dethrone him. And there's really exciting stuff you could build up there against Shota or against Suji or any of those other young guys, to be honest. But you, you can never rule out that threat of just the way the book has been so one-sided and build up to this, that Sonata actually pulls out the shock and wins, and we've got you know, 30,000 people in the Tokyo Dome putting their phone lights on, doing the gift at the end of it, uh, which is a frightening thought, and I think it would be a mistake, but does add a little bit of extra tension and excitement and spice to those near falls because they might do it. You know they might do it. They, we can't rule that out as a possibility. So uh, a lot of fear and trepidation <laughs> going into this one for me, Damon. They, look, let's work our way back and unpack some of this. If, if they did that, boy... I, I would just be left scratching my head. I really would. I'd be left scratching my head. A lot of people bring up, well, like, if he doesn't care, why should I care? And I think it goes a little bit deeper than that. Like, it, to me, there's 
not a ton of reasoning of why do I want to see guy A beat guy B? Like, like just that simple formula. What is the motivation here? Is it the title? Okay. Yep. Well, we got a guy who honestly as champion has been dry as toast and really just doesn't seem to a like the pressure or B enjoy being in the spotlight or C or C all of the above, right? Against a guy who let's be very truthful. This is probably his last shot, his last run. Naito's body is falling apart as we speak, right? And seriously falling apart. Um, so, there's that, but okay. Like we have to construct that ourselves. Like we have to kind of look f- and pull out these little breadcrumbs to give give ourselves that self narrative of okay, here's why I'm juiced up for this match. When you know, pro wrestling 101 is you know the motivation of A to beat B, and that's where I feel like we've we've lost the plot. Like, there's no – Sonata doesn't care, right? You think Sonata gives a fuck if he loses the title? Well, he probably wants to, all things being fair. Naito, yeah, okay, he wants to do his, you know, victory celebration and and uh, and, and all of that. And, okay, and I, and, and I know that there are a ton of Naito fans that, you know, they'd love to see that. But is that your motivation for the match being – like – I, I, that's where I have the problem. Like we have a match that feels that there's very little juice going in, very little things to hang your hat on of, okay, I need to see this guy beat this guy um, for what a celebration at the end is really, that's what we're hanging our hat on. Um, like the title seems almost secondary at that point. Look, uh, uh, people's mileage vary. And and there are people that think that we just love shitting on Sonata, and they can't see. They they don't know why we can't see what they can see. You're right. <laughs> you're you're exactly you're a thousand percent right. I I don't see what you see. I don't because guess what? I don't have the time or the fucking bandwidth to make up narratives in my head that, oh, yeah, well, one time they went to fucking dinner at a Denny's and Naito walked out and Sonata had to pay the bill. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Like, like I got to create these fucking narratives in my head? That's the company's job, not for nothing. Um, like, that's the kind of shit, like, okay, we're clutching at straws here, aren't we? Um, and and think about the matches that we are looking forward to. And they're they're the matches that really quite honestly, have been simple. Um, and you, you don't have to go through mental gymnastics to fucking find a way to hit your wagon to it. I'm sorry. That's the honest to God truth. Um, Naito's got to win. And, I, and I, I'm sorry, Joe. I can't accept any other answer than that. It's got to be a decisive uno dos catorce. <laughs> I did a YouTube reference. Uh, you know what I mean? Like it's got to be. Like there can't be any other doubt. Uh, I'm sorry. I any and and I will say this. Any other any other 
option is is not on the table. Ninetales got to win. Listen, you want to have somebody come out and challenge them? You want to whatever, whatever. Ninetales got to walk out of their title in hand. Period. Yeah, I'm thinking who the challenger could be. Maybe the winner of that Suji versus Uemura match. You know, interesting one. We always talk about how singles matches are important. They they do tell a tale of who might be that person. Um, and I think to me that would be Chef's Kiss. Uh, and again, I hate to say it, but there you got a stink on you if you're in the Rambo. I don't want to see anybody in the fucking Rambo challenging anything. You're in the fucking Rambo. You can't. You you're not. You, you you have a stink on you. And until that stink is removed, <laughs> you're not walking in any fucking ring and me taking you seriously as a challenger. Sorry. All right. Well, uh, based on ticket sales, looking at the website and seeing at what rate sections have been selling out, I would say maybe optimistic to, to think we might hit 30,000 this year. I mean, I think I'd expect them. They, they, they do seem to be ahead of last year. And obviously there's a question of comps and, and pay tickets and all that stuff. But yeah, hopefully they'd be able to hit 30K. And I think that will be pretty impressive. Uh, and something to celebrate. But um, here's the big question, Damon. Um, Multiverse Aces, based on the card and hype, will you be watching live or will you wait for a delay? This question is assuming there will be live English commentary that you can access in real time on January 1st. <laughs> but um, I, I won't be able to watch this live. I'm going to be working. I'm going to be teaching at that point, so I'm not going to be able to join live, um, I think. And uh, I'll watch it when I get home from work. What about you? Are you going to be watching live? i got nothing better to do. <laughs> um like I always regret it, be honest with you, because it just fucks up my day, like sleep wise. I'm just a zombie, you know, the whole day. I might I I I think I'll, I'll go with I'll, I'm 50-50. I'm 50-50 right now. And that and and usually that 50-50 means that I sway toward all right, drag my ass up, pop a couple of Red Bulls and fucking do a bump of cocaine and I'm kidding about the cocaine FBI. Um and go see what we can do but you know convenience wise you know if i woke up you know what i normally do and popped it on would it be there waiting for me probably and i'll have a better all day i don't know we'll see we'll see um but i'll right now i'm i'm 50 50 i'm 50 50 um but here's the thing if i'm up you know i'm going to be texting people at the show being like you better give me a fucking shout out walker Shit like that, I'll be I'll be I'll be insufferable. Um, 50-50. All right, my daughter Esther has just returned from her nature walk. So before we wrap it up, I would just like Esther to say, Esther, can you say Merry Christmas and Happy New Year to all the listeners? Uh, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Yeah, thank you very much. All right, redsubgood.com forward slash shows forward slash super dash j dash cast if you want to throw some money our way uh we need it trust me <laughs> at and pro wrestling tees.com for super j cast for t-shirts uh big thanks as always to editor dan find him on twitter at lousy hero 219 follow us on twitter at the super j cast thank you everybody for listening and goodbye super j cast listeners we have Yet another festive treat for you in store. Hot off the heels of our fantastic, uh, critically acclaimed review with Kevin Kelly, we have 
the English voice of New Japan Pro Wrestling, Walker Stewart, the Velvet Voice himself, who is on the line with us now, ready to talk about all things Wrestle Kingdom, New Japan, Christmas related. Walker, thank you very much for joining us today. Hey, I'm happy to be here. It's going to be a good time. I've uh, listened in to the occasional Super J cast a time or two in my life. And, you know, I I'm, I think I'm, so I'm caught up on some of the bits. I don't, I don't know anything about Shenmue, but I'm going to figure it out as we go. <laughs> Neither do I. I've been doing this for five years. <laughs> yeah, we're all we're all on the same page then. Good. Uh, your Christmas, Walker. How was your Christmas? I'm sorry. Yeah, my Christmas was great. You know, I uh, I flew in. I was just talking a little before we went on the air, but I'll say it again. You know, I, I flew in on the 19th to Tokyo. Did the Corican Hall go home shows first time in Corican Hall, which was great. Immediately flew back out on the 23rd. Landed on the 23rd slept for the rest of the 23rd i had two 23rds and i slept through most of them um 24th christmas eve was great christmas day was great holiday was great i had a good time nice yeah excellent stuff well uh, before we dig into the fascinating questions we've got lined up for you walker just a quick disclaimer here if you would like to use any quotes from this interview or your social media or your website we kindly kindly request you credit us in the tweet itself with an at at the super j and a link to the podcast episode. Or alternatively, you can do your own interviews. That's absolutely fine. Walker's lines are open. You can get in touch with him and interview him yourself. Uh, no, Walker, you, you used to be a dirt sheet writer yourself, didn't you? And yeah. an editor. Could you tell yeah. us a bit about the challenges of adhering to journalistic standards in the industry? Oh, God. How much do I want to talk about that? No, I, it's uh, there's uh, a lot of challenges to upholding any journalistic standard and there are some people who do it very very well and there are some people that don't i don't think i'm at liberty to say who's who in this conversation but you know there's uh i i, I respect the people that do it right and uh, i i did during my time doing it and it allowed me as as much as i might make fun of it it allowed me to transition into what i'm doing now and eventually down the line end up with new japan so hey i'm uh i can't i can't bury it too much right yeah so that's some of your background then how how did this role in the New Japan commentary booth come for you? Was it a case of uh, a Kevin Kelly stamp of approval or an audio project or PowerPoint? Like, how did it go from, hey, there might be an opening here to you're the guy? Yeah, so uh, this is a great question. So I, I ended up, was on the independence for two years, started back at July 24th, 2021, was my first ever show in Oklahoma. Um, and a very, very uh, influential promoter for good and for bad told me, hey, uh, you know, I know that you want to get paid for doing this, but uh, no one really pays people like that on the independence. And I said, that's kind of weird. So I left and I made it a, uh, a mission and a mark. Hey, I want to go and I want to travel the world. I know that I want to do this. And I know there's an innate ability that I can grow to develop over time. And, you know, here we are where I, I've managed to do that two years later down the line, less than a thousand days being involved in the wrestling industry and uh you know it all started when i actually connected with the former ring of honor talent who if you've listened to any interviews i've done in the past or if you've seen even my social media i talk about him occasionally it's a guy named brutal bob evans who was in ring of honor for a good amount of time and um bob evans and i just developed a really good relationship actually just because he uh he hit me up one day to bury me for wearing this really ugly red jacket that i had and cut a promo with it was a it was a it was a really great start to a blossoming relationship. Um, but no, all seriousness, he was super like 
informative and very helpful. Hey, you know, he was, he was giving me very honest feedback and critique and, you know, some people would shy away and get afraid at that. And I said, Hey, you know, I appreciate it and let's, let's be best friends now. And so, uh, that led to Bob connecting me with Kevin, which just so happened to be around the time that Kevin knew he was going to be stepping away from new Japan pro wrestling. Uh, Bob gave the recommendation to Kevin. Kevin said, Hey, this kid's pretty solid at what he does. And I think we can tune him up a little bit. And then, you know, over time, getting to know the new Japan pro wrestling product, which I really started that journey around early September, late August. And, you know, to find ourselves where we are now with the final shows of 2023 over with and me being on the team and a part of the ride, I, uh, I couldn't ask for anything better. So that's the, the short and sweet version of it. But um, it was it was just a lot of it was a lot of grind. You know, I think that a lot of people have asked me the question of like, hey, you're 21 years old. How did you get to this position at such a young age? And I really think and I've had this people other people higher up in the industry tell me that they feel the same way. And I happen to believe it myself that I went out there and did a lot of the things that some people wait five, 10 years into being involved in the wrestling industry to do, whether it's out of fear or whether it's out of not thinking they can do it or needing to get the finances together to do it. Um, you know, I, I, I grinded my way through and, you know, hitting 14, 15 U.S. states in two years and a couple hundred shows, whether I was calling them or producing them or, you know, whatever else I was doing, I was in, I was around, I was learning. And uh, it's it served me well. Every little show that I did, whether I got paid for it or not, it brought me to where I am in the dance with New Japan Pro Wrestling. So couldn't be couldn't ask for anything better. Where do you think you got that drive, Walker? Like, where, like, is that something that you're born with? Is that something your parents instilled in you? Is that just, hey, you know what? I these are the things I want in life, and I'm going for it. Like, like you mentioned it. Not many 21 year olds have that. Like, I I picture me at 21, and I was a fuck up. I'm still a fuck up. <laughs> so, like, where where did that come from for you? You know, you, you talk a combination of things when you talk about that. First and foremost, I think that it, it does come down to a lot of how I was raised. And I could talk about my mother and father uh, a lot throughout this if I really wanted to, but I'll, I'll, I'll spare the details. The point is that those are two people that no matter what thing that I wanted to be involved with that they weren't familiar with or that they thought was crazy or whatever, they invested in it. If I showed the effort and showed you know, hey, I, I really want to do this. I was a uh, musician before I ever stepped into wrestling. I was going to college at the University of Oklahoma for an opera uh, vocal performance degree. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so a lot of people uh, may not know that. And if, you know, some people have talked about like, oh, he sounds older than he is, or he has a bit of a refined sound or whatever. And that's a sound that actually, you know, I trained in the musical sense. And I feel like a part of that carries over into the broadcast occasionally that you can hear. But uh, you know, I, I was a choir kid. I thought I was going to be a music performer, which I'd still love to get into music at some point. But the the love was not first music. The love was first wrestling. But wrestling, uh, when you hear people talk about it, whether it be in documentaries, interviews, whatever it is, as a kid growing up and listening to those things, because it was very accessible for me in my time growing up, 14, 15 years old, all I had to do was go on Reddit and find this shoot interview, this WWE documentary on the network, you know, right. and uh, it, it eventually led to me thinking, oh, well, this is just unobtainable. You know, there's no way that I could possibly do this, making my way into the independent industry, though, and finding some people like Bob Evans, like Kevin Kelly, who had the faith in me to tell me, hey, not only are you good enough to do this, but also, you know, you had the work ethic to show how bad you want it. No one can tell you 
no one can say that the position was just handed to you on a silver platter, so to speak. Um, I, I think that that work ethic overall comes down from how I was raised, what my parents instilled in me, my mother and father, God bless them. And also, uh, you know, the, the innate will and want to do this and also getting into it knowing, hey, it's a one in a million shot. So if I want to make those odds even greater than what they might have already been, I need to do double, triple, quadruple the amount of work in a shorter amount of time if I want to really get to live this for the rest of my life. And that's that's where I found myself. That's awesome. When when you look back, I mean, was it, you, you mentioned the music first um, and even pro wrestling before that, but was, was broadcasting and specifically pro wrestling broadcasting always on your radar? Or, you, you know, obviously you could do any sport, right? Um, baseball, basketball football, whatever. Why pro wrestling? Why was pro wrestling the one thing that you gravitated to? I, I think it was the first love, really. I mean, I never really grew up a massive sports guy. I played baseball throughout my childhood, and I really liked baseball as a sport. I might not have liked the environment that I might have been in with like school baseball and all that stuff, but I loved playing it to an extent, and I really enjoyed uh, watching it especially. So I love baseball. I could have done baseball, but Pro wrestling, I remember being the first love because it blended my two favorite things. You look at the overlap between sports and theater or what, you know, opera, which I was going to be going into uh, and had the plans of doing since maybe my freshman year of high school. So I was around 14 years old when I decided I want to go into music in that way. The overlaps between sports and that theatrical nature, the one thing that you can find right in the middle of the Venn diagram is pro wrestling because it combines both of those things. So I really think that's where it came from. I never wanted to be a pro wrestler growing up, though, which is kind of funny because I know a lot of people will have that as one of their first thoughts of, I want to get into wrestling. A lot of people go, oh, I want to be a world champion. I'd like to wrestle for the WWE, whatever it is. And um, I, it just wasn't like that for me. My parents have told the story time and time again when talking to me about, you know, reliving this this whole journey I've been on. And my mom reminds me of like, hey, you were seven years old sitting here listening to Michael Cole and Jerry Lawler and telling me that you wanted to do that. And, you know, you were listening to Jim Ross on old tapes on the WWE 24-7 Classic Channel on demand saying, hey, I want to do what Jim Ross does. And, you know, it was it was never a want to be a pro wrestler failing out of that and then finding a backup like I've seen some people go the route of. Not that there's anything wrong with that. It's just this was always the goal. If I were to be involved with wrestling, I found my way in through the door in the Oklahoma scene and we're off to the races. That's, that's incredible because when we talk to a lot of people, it's, it's really the opposite. You know, it's like, oh, I was a, you know, I, I called hockey games for a few years in this minor league and or baseball here in the middle of Iowa or what have you. Um, did you, were those WWE, those classic WWE broadcast teams, were they the broadcasters that you look up to? Um, or is there any, anything we're missing in a sport that you connected with and said, you know what, that's, that's, the, that's going to be the, the person I look up to and strive to be. Everything I have within my pro wrestling commentary and a style and everything that I have in a, in a fandom comes from professional wrestling, not really any other sports. I don't know if I could name you and maybe this is a bad thing. Maybe I should fix this, but I don't think I can name you another like sports panelist, a sports caster for like any sport at all outside of professional wrestling. That's how football. you couldn't name football. I, I a team. 
I, I don't think I can. And I <laughs> I, contest, let's, let's roll it up. Let's go. Let's go. Yeah. Top 10. Let's go. <laughs> I, might, I might sound incredibly ignorant when I say that. And I, and I don't mean that disrespectful to any of those sports. I, I can enjoy watching them, you know, live or on TV or whatever. But, um, you know, it's just that pro wrestling has been the always. It's been the constant for me. And so growing up, I, I grew up on. And I, I know that some some people will listen to this and go, oh, my God, this kid's so young. But, you know, Michael Cole and Jerry Lawler, my childhood was actually heel Michael Cole, which what a concept. Right. Um, but, you know, nowadays, Michael Cole, my favorite uh, wrestling broadcaster of all time, I think he is uh, one of, if not the greatest to ever do it. You put him alongside Jim Ross on that Mount Rushmore. Um, there's, there's Mike Tanay as well. There are guys that I just really connected with. And it's because, you know, in, in a sense, what we do as wrestling broadcasters, it's not exactly acting by any means, but there is a selling portion to it. We've talked about that, um, various times, you know, personally, uh, both of us or, or all three of us one-on-one -on -one with each other. Um, it's just one of those things that I, I really just grew attached to and, and fell in love with and, you know, as the first time I ever stepped into the booth in July in 2021, I got to really feel the thrill of like what it's like to not only tell a story that you know is going to lay out in front of your eyes or that you think might lay out in front of you, but also have that reactionary element. And it's this improv element as well. It's a combination of all these things that I love and all these things that I haven't always been good at in, in separate ways, but putting it all together in the context of pro wrestling, I find myself with, you know, my life, my life's work, my life's passions. Yeah, that's really interesting. Um, I mean, obviously you are a newer fan to New Japan Pro Wrestling than someone like Damon, who's you know, in, in at the ground floor, so to speak. But what has been your jumping in point for NJPW? Like what have been the, the first few matches you saw and what were your first impressions of the company? So ever it was Omega Okada, the trilogy, right? I actually, um, good start. I, yeah, yeah. Right. Uh, I actually, my dad will tell the story all the time where I, the, the matches had already happened and maybe it was like a year down the line or something that already happened. I had kept seeing, Oh, Omega Okada, Omega Okada. I'd never seen them. Um, I feel like this might have been, and someone can correct me on this year, but like 2016, 2017, where it was a year on from where all three of them had already happened. Um, and I ended up uh, just sitting down with my father and said, we are going to watch all three of these in a row, which was a very interesting choice on my end. I was gassed by the end of the second one, let alone going into a third. Um, but, you know, it was it's definitely a, a memory that I'm always going to have. Um, with my dad and also with the introduction to the New Japan Pro Wrestling product because I realized just how different it was. And I didn't even understand the full scope, but I, under, I, I grasped a sense of how different the Japanese wrestling style is to the Western product that I had been growing up consuming. It was like walking out the door of your, of your, you know, your front door and realizing, oh, there's other houses in the neighborhood I could go look at, you know? Mm. Um, so it was, it was a very interesting time. Uh, the, the recent introduction, I started uh, studying more so, getting back into things uh, with the G1, going into the end of the G1 and then into September. And uh, yeah, we've just, we've been off to the races since then. No, I believe your first trip to Japan was around the time of power struggle. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. So I, so, I, I ended up flow, flying in there on Halloween day, I think. And I called mm -hmm. the November 2nd show, which was the final road to show for power struggle and super junior tag league. And then 
November 4th was my uh, my first big show there. Okay, so what was that like then? Talk talk to us about the experience of calling that the first big show for Man, New Japan. The, the overall experience of being in Japan for the first time already had me rattled. And then, you know, I walk into Osaka Edion Arena, which we were actually in that building a, a couple of nights before on the 2nd for, you know, it was the smaller gymnasium or whatever that they... Uh, will hold some of the road to shows in. And it's like maybe a thousand, twelve hundred seater venue, whatever it is. And someone could probably correct me there. But this one was, you know, 4,000 people in attendance, almost triple uh, or a little over quadruple, maybe even what we had two nights ago. And so I thought I knew what I'd be feeling going in and to the actual power struggle event because I did the road to show. Um, I was mistaken. I was very wrong because. Uh, you know, as lively as the crowd might have been on November 2nd, I had never felt the vibration of a crowd before the way that I had at the point of the main event with Will Ospreay and Shota Umino. I mean, in a 40-plus minute match, which I'll go on record and I've continued to throughout uh, that that is my favorite wrestling match ever. And it, uh, I'm completely okay with admitting that it's personal bias playing into that uh, as a partial nature but it was it was a damn good match there's no arguing that and uh it's it's one that's always gonna live on forever for me in my mind it's the the feeling of calling power struggle was unlike anything else i've experienced i really don't know if i've experienced that same uh feeling since i know that tokyo dome wrestle kingdom 18 with the card that we have lined up with the amount of people I know we are going to have in the building at the very least, the aura, the energy that I've never been able to experience live ever and getting to do so for the very first time. I know that that moment is going to beat it out. Something from Wrestle Kingdom 18 is bound to become my new favorite match of all time. Just a matter of figuring out what that is when we get to it. Great. Now, you briefly touched on this. Um, can you talk to us a bit about your experiences in Japan as a first-time visitor? Putting the commentary stuff to a, a, one side, but as a tourist, as a visitor to Japan, you know, Damon always says there's life before Japan and life after Japan. So please just talk to us about what it was like being in the country. Completely agree with Damon saying that, and I, I feel it still. It is uh, very, how do I say it? It's humbling. I, I think I, as I texted my girlfriend, I said, I am very humbled by this country because a lot of times if I may not know something or I may not know what I'm doing, I can charisma myself out of a situation, but I can't do that in Japan because I don't mm -hmm. speak the language. And uh, there are obviously people in Japan that do speak English. Some people study or they, I believe they teach it over there. They study it over there. Um, but man, you know, something as simple as shopping in a market or going in, I went to the zoo. Like there were anxiety filled experiences that I never would have had anxiety doing whatsoever in the United States. So um, I wouldn't say that it made me more reserved whatsoever. Um, I was still, you know, my little confident, outgoing self when I had to be. But the reality is, um, you know, you're, you realize you're in, a, you're in a new land. You're in a country you've never been to. I'm sitting here thinking to myself, like, I don't know the laws here. They're driving on the left side of the road. This is a foreign experience for me overall. It's my first time out of the country. I mean, gentlemen, I had a culture shock going from Oklahoma City to Las Vegas, Nevada a couple <laughs> of days before for, yeah. <laughs> for Fighting Spirit Unleashed. I had been to Vegas once before, so I'd already even been there, and I had another culture shock getting there at, at Samstown. So it's, uh, it's a completely different world. 
And it really just goes to show, especially after feeling the effects of a 14-hour flight, just how large the world is and just how small some of the problems that we may face in, I'm not specifically talking politically, but just, you know, day-to-day life where I was stressing about little things, little dramas, little whatever happening in the Oklahoma independent wrestling scene for whatever reason, you know, I, I, you look at this and you go, man, like Japan, there's other places, there's other places in the world that exist. And, you know, now with new Japan pro wrestling, I'll be getting to visit uh, a lot of other countries going forward. There's been talks of expansion, of course, from Bushi road going into Southeast Asia. Lord knows we'll be going back to the UK for another Royal quest event and who knows where else we're going to be going. But, you know, I'm along for the ride with it and the same experiences I felt in Japan going for the very first time. Uh, I have a feeling I'm going to get that same uh, euphoria going everywhere that we do end up going with New Japan because I love traveling and it's always been something I wanted to do. And once again, another thing that attracted me to the wonderful, wonderful world of pro wrestling, you know, so I think that's uh, I think that sums it up. Really, it was it was stressful at points. There was some anxiety going around it, but Going back on my most recent tour for the Corican shows, I completely, it was a complete 180. I feel incredibly comfortable comfortable going back on only my second trip. That gives me a lot of confidence, obviously, going into the rest of 2024 for me. Nice. I, I want to get inside your head a little bit um, and because I'm always fascinated by more of the production side and the behind the curtain and and that kind of thing, even sometimes more so than the matches, but even kind of before that, I want to get inside your head. You're, you're, you're boarding the plane for the first time. Mm-hmm. What's going through your head? Like, what are you, that 14 hour ride is, is your mind can wander and it can, needs to be distracted. But what are you thinking about from a professional point of view while you know, going through customs, getting on that plane, and then getting in the air. Right. I mean, the reality is I have nothing but time to think. And so that is all I did, even to my own fault, my own detriment at points. But, uh, you know, professionally, I'm thinking to myself, all right, let's make good impressions. You know, I'm not someone who typically struggles with doing that whatsoever. But there is a reality, of course, of going to the different country, like I mentioned, and what are the expectations that are had in a in that sort of professional environment in Japan compared to what might be expected in a Western wrestling office, or uh, especially you know the major differences, uh, Damon, you're well aware the the differences, of course, between the independent wrestling standard anywhere, let alone in the United States, where it might be lower than other places compared to. <laughs> illustrious nature that new japan pro wrestling has to offer so that's the first thing going through my mind another thing going through my mind had to be the uh, the difference in scale from the largest show i had ever done on the independence to the largest or you know the, just the shows that i was doing with new japan going for the very first time we're talking about attendance or around a thousand attendance being four thousand plus for uh, you know, the New Japan shows. I think the largest show I'd ever been to on the independent side of things might have been 500, 600 people in a small town in Kansas, you know? Nice. So we're talking major differences here. We're talking, obviously, major differences in uh, v- viewership and visibility because there's obviously large uh, discrepancies between the amount of people subscribing and watching NJPW World. And then, of course, the people that might have been watching, you know, uh, Joe Blow Wrestling on on YouTube, you know. They're my favorite, by the way. Yeah, Joe Blow is really good. They're really great. 
<laughs> a big, big Joe Blow guy. Um, yeah. yeah, off the record, on the record, big Joe Blow guy. Um, I hear you. I hear yeah, you. but yeah, that's you know that's mostly what's going through the mind, and then um, you know, obviously, I was I was just excited, man. I mean, how how could you not be? You you have to sit back and. You know, you only have, I only spent about an hour of time as much as I said I was thinking. I really spent, only spent about an hour of time on that flight going through all these things that I just talked about in my head. Um, because at a certain point, you do more than that or even the amount that I did and you psych yourself out and you start, it starts to affect your performance. It starts to affect your confidence. And I couldn't allow for anything to really be doing that going into those large shows. And I might have uh, teetered a little bit on that line, but um it's not a problem going into Tokyo Dome. Like I said, you know, my, my confidence is very high, not only in myself and my abilities and now my exponentially grown knowledge of new Japan pro wrestling and Japanese history. Thanks to my good pal, Chris Charlton, but um, you know, also just uh, faith in the company as well. You know, new president Hiroshi Tanahashi and a lot of morale going high in the locker room and in the office. And I think that there's, a lot of positivity to be had right now. It's hard not to talk about it. So we, we are definitely going to go there. Don't don't worry. Oh, yeah. um, but I, I got to say I'm, I'm I'm envious of the 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 the, the PMA, the, the positive mental attitude that, that you that you bring to the table. I think it's I think it's freaking awesome. To be honest with you. Um, do you listen to yourself post? Yes. Do you you, you critique? What what do you what do you think are some of the strengths that you have? And what do you think are some of the things that you're looking to improve upon? And then lastly, have you gotten a piece of advice from a random schmo on Reddit or Twitter or whatever that at first glance you were like, this MFR, but then you come to think maybe they got a point and maybe I'll work on that. You know, the, the biggest advice that Bob Evans and Kevin Kelly gave me going into this role was do not look at social media. And I actually made the mistake of doing so because of uh, mm-hmm. I'll blame it on a youthful ignorance. Right. But um, off the top of my head, uh, you know, I might come back to that one and, and get to your first two questions. But um, I do listen to myself back. Um, I will review every single show that I do. Sometimes I've uh, done so on the flights when Internet has allowed. Sometimes I come home and, you know, my parents big supporters of me they are watching every single episode of new japan that has come out with my voice on it and um you know sometimes they can't exactly watch things live because they're airing like 3 or 4 a.m central standard time in the u.s so you know i'll come back home and they'll watch it you know alongside me they'll ask me questions which honestly is probably my favorite part of everything that i've gotten to share with my family in pro wrestling you know getting to have give that little education there and teach them and watch their reactions to like wow tag team wrestling is so different here than in the united states or on the independence or like wow these these women you know watching the lone star shootout show and fighting spirit unleashed these women can really go not like anything we've seen locally on the independence you know so it's a it's a very fun thing but um i i will listen to myself back i think things that um i would like to improve on and I, I've definitely made strides in uh, since my first ever show. Um, there is an element of the history. And I know that Chris Charlton, many say, you know, rely on Chris, rely on Chris, rely on Chris. And I love uh, Chris's mental ability. I love the way that he is able to weave narratives that connect all the way 10 years back to different things that I was, I might not have even been alive for, I definitely wasn't around to witness uh, in the New Japan landscape to what's happening now, and that's a very valuable asset. That's a point 
that I want to be able to get to within my own New Japan history and my own uh, knowledge and my own ability in the broadcast. But of course, that only comes with time. Um, I think that there's also, um, I, I think a strength that I have really is the, the that that optimism that you bring into uh, a night. I know that there are times, and obviously I haven't been on these longer tours as of yet, but there have been times where, you know, Chris and Kevin, God love them. You're night 36 into 74 <laughs> nights right. of road to whatever. And, you know, uh, I have a perspective that I bring to the booth where um, I, I was just talking to a, another outlet about this. I don't believe in the term throwaway matches. I've heard that on the independence. I've heard that in, uh, you know, some people describe that with New Japan Pro Wrestling. You see how many six-man, eight-man, 75-man tag team matches that we get. Um, and a lot of people, as many rematches as we've even seen within those tag matches as well. And some people will say, oh, those are throwaway, those are whatever. But I think these are many narratives that we get to weave in and out that connect us to these bigger shows. You know, I really believe that there is a final purpose as to every single thing that's happening that's playing out on our screens. And uh, there are some people that uh, don't exactly feel that way. There have been times where, uh, you know, that might not have actually been conveyed as well as I might have liked on uh, the commentary side of things. That's an optimism that, and an, an intentionality as well that you're always going to get with me in the booth. And I think that that's, uh, there's a value there to that. Um, no so, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's a, that's definitely some things that I, I'd like to work on and that I think I, I provide, you know. And I, I also think there's a, a, a natural charisma that, you know, I get to utilize on the, in the booth as well. Um, I'm not exactly Mr. Comedy 101, and I'm very open and aware of that. But uh, maybe that's something as well, maybe a bit loosening up on the, uh, the broadcast side, maybe joke around with Chris a little bit whenever the time calls for it. But the, the key time being when the time calls for it, and I don't think that uh, it calls for it outside of maybe masked horse. So you, know, <laughs> <Right. that's, laughs> but you get what I mean, you know. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. You touched on this, Walker, and we know all too well about how challenging it can be to maintain a presence on social media, particularly, as you said, when there is often very noisy criticism out there. Do you think it's important for you to maintain a social media presence? And, and if so, how are you managing that? You know, I, I definitely do think uh, as I, I view myself not to, to put myself on a pedestal by any means, because I don't feel that way at all. But there is an aspect to my position and to my role where and, and Kevin informed me it would be like this. And I didn't realize it would be to the degree, but I've taken it on uh, in strides. You almost serve as uh, English customer service sometimes for New mm -hmm. Japan Pro Wrestling. Um, you know, when there might have been problems with NJPW World with the initial uh, relaunch. And some people might still be having problems that are being worked on actively as we speak. Um, you know, and any questions that are needed to be answered. I've had people reach out to me about international ticket sales and different things like that. And, and I think that it is important for me to keep a social media presence for those reasons. But another thing pertaining to the actual on-screen product, what we do in and out of the ring, uh, I, I think it's important for me to maintain that presence because some people do view English commentary as the gateway into New Japan Pro Wrestling. You look at the statistics and the Google trends for when English commentary first started with New Japan in 2015, and you see that it's it skyrockets in the West. It is exponentially higher. Um, and so I, I do know that there are people who rely on folks like myself and Chris Charlton for that English insight to the product. 
Um, and I, hell, I, I've even been told by certain people, you know, wrestling promoters that I've worked for on the independents who I thought would never contact me again, reaching out to me going, Hey, you know, you're doing a great job talking about such and such on social media. This is the most I've cared about new Japan pro wrestling since 2016 or whatever the situation is. And I've gotten multiple messages like that. I think that shows, uh, it goes to show the importance of having that social media, uh, keeping, the brand alive there's a personal brand sure but the big brand that i focus on right now being new japan pro wrestling and getting to you know be able to add a little bit of insight that chris may not uh, i think it's important for me to be able to do that right now here we're on to the main event this is the question i most wanted to ask you i want you to talk for a good five to ten minutes please about japanese food <laughs> what you've enjoyed <laughs> anything anything you've hated anything that hasn't quite clicked with you uh, damon's added on here please describe your ideal last meal and leave no details in the so <laughs> wow. food in japan off That's, you go this, sorry did you say ideal last meal like ever Correct. Yeah, that is correct. No, I'm not sure what you meant by that. <laughs> I, I'm not saying it's happening. I'm just saying if it does, you have an option to eat. I'd be very curious. I'd be, I'd, I would be interested to hear. I just feel as though there's a threat being made that I'm not. I, there's I, no I, threat. <laughs> I know you're a Dennis Corluzo guy. I don't know how much I should oh, be trusting. Oh, no, none. Zero. Oh, don't worry. <laughs> oh, no, never mind. I gave you already all the, all the bounce check jokes I have. I don't have any more. Oh, no. There's, there's bound to be at least a couple more, but we can't talk about those. Um, right. No, so uh, Japanese food, man. Uh, I, so I'm, I'm a super picky eater. I'm very open about that. And so I came in uh, like probably never having had Japanese food ever. Like I can't, I can't remember a time outside of Japan where I've had even like I've never, I've never even really big a bit, been a big Asian food guy. I'm like incredibly stereotypical American talking like burgers, meat pizza, potatoes. fries. Like, okay. yeah, meat, potatoes, whatever. Like, um, but there are some things, uh, and, and this sounds crazy, 21 years old. I went 21 years never having rice. Um, wait, 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 I'm sorry. There's, yes. there's, there's something wrong with my connection here. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, hold on. I, are you saying you've never had rice? Well, I have now, so I guess well, no, I'm not saying that. But no, I, I, This is the quote that everyone's going to be taking out and, and putting on Twitter oh, and God. saying, Walker Stewart, I've never had rice before. Right. Right, you want to steal content from us? That's the headline for the, for your That's career. Brutal! Oh no, I you know I'd love to talk Wrestle Kingdom. No, <laughs> no, but you know I, I had rice and it's fantastic and I love it. Um, there I've been I've been really big and on trying American Japanese food or Japanese American food. I guess is the way you'd phrase it, like things I'd find in the United States where I know what it tastes like. I've had it a million times over, and then finding it in Japan and comparing the quality i will say nearly every single thing that i've had in japan has been better it's it just okay. has been. Nice. Um, okay I, th I think that that's a that's a major positive everything i just had japanese dominoes which was kind of insane um <laughs> it was great yeah yeah it was fantastic japanese mcdonald's incredible um, oh come on ramen big ramen guy now all, right, I eat ramen all day long we're cooking with ramen i'm feeling that uh, it was Chris Charlton who took me out for ramen before my very first show on November 2nd in, uh, in Osaka. And, uh, you know, I'd never used chopsticks before, uh, which led to a hilarious moment of, you know, splash, splash in the broth. And it's all over my shirt. And if you like super zoom in on the one on cam they gave us, it is just it's plain as day right there, even in the. Even in the 720p quality. And I begged Chris. I was like, Chris, let's go back to the hotel. Let me change my shirt. My first time here. And he's like, nope, we got to go, brother. And 
That's the oh. biggest red Chris has pulled on me so far. But ramen, oh. incredible. Okay. Even, even right. associated with that negative memory. Um, incredible. I love ramen. I've, I, I haven't been a big squid guy. I went super out of my comfort zone trying squid because I've never been huge on seafood. You might be wondering what I actually eat, and I'm actually not <laughs> certain now that I think about it. But uh, You're not at sushi yet. You're not been down to sushi's anime with the Chaos Boys. Uh, I have not. I have not. I have to save that for, for the Chaos Boys. I have to save that for a very special special moment. Um, but uh, I, And I can't believe I actually have been twice to Japan and not had sushi. Um, but I've had, I've had ramen, so I... You know, I, I, I'm doing good, gentlemen. I'm trying. I'm, trying I'm proud life. of you. No, listen, yeah, you're into something. Like, there's, that, there's a whole sort of subcategory, sub-cuisine, yoshoku, they call it. It's like Western dishes that have been reinvented in Japan. Things like, you know, curry rice and hamburger and Neapolitan pasta, omu mm. rice and stuff like that. And um, here's my dirty secret. I lived in China for five years. Right. My favorite Chinese food is still... The Japanese interpretation of Chinese food—they've <laughs> they, absolutely nailed it—and I apologize for that. But just for my particular take, there is just, there is just something about the Japanese interpretation of foreign food where it just it rocks, man. Well, I, 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 with you on that. I thought that's why you know it was important to bring it up. I you know the Japanese Domino's was incredible. My my favorite thing was walking into Japanese Domino's and seeing the English menu, and I see a pizza called the New Yorker, and I'm going, oh, wonder what's on there? Just pepperoni and cheese. I was like, yes. There you go. Nothing more American than a good old pepperoni and cheese. And it was fantastic, by the way. I'm so. going to give you two suggestions. Sure. I'll give you two. I'm sure. going to go, and I'm going to go on both ends of the spectrum here. Right. One, chicken con- uh, tonkatsu sandwich from any convenient mart. Right. Mm. They cut off the, 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 the edges, right? So there's no crust, right? Chicken tonkatsu or, or even like a pork uh, tonkatsu. The crispy slaw on the softest, most pillowy white bread you will ever eat. That's oh, number man. one. All right. Number two. Horse meat. Raw horse meat. I, I don't think Mast Horse is a fan of I, – I might need to <laughs> Listen, I'm sorry. Yeah. But I'm telling you, I kid you not, I never thought I would see the day where I would be eating raw horse meat. Sure. Eat it. It was – and I'll keep in mind, I had a couple strong zeros in me, so – uh, the courage was up. The, the courage was up, but right. it was fantastic. It was fantastic. So uh, you're doing good. I'm proud of you. Keep, I, I keep that momentum. I, I think I've already had horse meat because I've gone to American public schools. I've eaten lunch there. <laughs> but, you know, I think that I think there's something to be said about that. But, you know, I'll you know take what, you, you, up. Do, you know, you, Yeah, you do have experience. Very yeah. good point. Very good point. All right, uh, Joe, I think you're up. Uh, I've, 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 I feel like I've uh, sabotaged the company. Well, uh, one thing I'm curious about, Walker, you are a very tall, very broad gentleman. How have you found that aspect of being in Japan? I'm thinking things, you know, like doors and the hotel rooms, baths. Uh, have you tried to sit in the orange seats at Coroquin Hall yet? <laughs> yes. Uh, tried is a, such an emphasis to be put on that word when it comes to sitting in those seats. Um, yeah, no, I, I've done it all. I've tested my size in a variety of ways. I'm six foot six inches um, and... It can be it can be a struggle. I know I'm never buying clothes in Japan, so bring every single thing that I need um, while I'm you know when I need it, rather than hoping I can buy something in this in the country. Um, you know, it's been it's been strange. You know, I, I hang off of every single bed I'm on. Chairs can be a little uh, a little unstable, a little controversial. Um, you know, snug, but hey. a little snug. Sure, sure. Yeah, I mean that that might be a way to phrase it, but hey, I yeah. mean, 
it's not been it's not been debilitate uh, like debilitating um if i've had some thoughts of you know if i if i ever moved to japan could i survive there would i hate my life there i think the answer is absolutely no i think there's a large part of me that would love it there and while uh you know not having enough space between a wall and a toilet can be an annoying thing in a hotel or an airport or whatever hey you know it's uh we rock with it and it's fine i think it's i I think it's a small price to pay for the experience that i'm getting over there truly you know sure that i i i do think that the shower situation was probably the most interesting thing i i was facetiming my girlfriend her name is jc she's been super influential within my uh my journey because she's been here throughout all of it actually over the past few years um so she's seen the highs and the lows but um you know i'm like jc you know let's talk yeah i gotta show you what the shower looks like and she's like what are you talking about and i put the camera up to my eye level on the facetime and i do like the like the point of view vision where you can see she can see ahead and i am like almost eye level with the the ceiling of the of the shower so you know the the amount of comments i've gotten from buddies just being like oh you need to take those pictures like you're andre the giant on the plane with the the beer can in your hand that's half the size of your actual hand you know um oh i know the pain my friend i know the pain oh i i I don't think it takes me at least a week for my hips to to recover it really does because they're just not meant for my big american ass that's for sure (laughs) um so of course, we've had uh, quite a few people wanted to uh, ask some questions. So we put it out to the audience and we put it out to some of our Discord freaks. Oh, uh, the freaks. The freaks. Heard yes. the freaks come out at night. Gangrel, Gangrel told me that, I think. I don't know. <laughs> that is, I think my, did you know uh, we actually worked with Gangrel? What? Yeah. yeah. I swear to God. On an indie show for Dennis. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we with Gangrel. yeah. Oh, nice. yeah it was fun. He was, he was actually a really good dude. Um oh, so this is from the great booze leprechaun, who uh, I need to point out is an adult woman, by the way. Uh, I've not heard a of boy. Yeah. Okay. Uh, she asks, uh, hey, this year you flew out to call road to Tokyo Dome, immediately hopped on a plane, returned to U.S., call on Indy, only to fly back for Wrestle Kingdom and New Year's Dash. Now, you stated you wanted to keep calling indie shows. How long do you think that you can handle that type of back and forth travel? And is that sustainable? Uh, how long can I handle it? How long, uh, how long is new Japan keeping me around for boys? Uh, sounds like, <laughs> sounds like I'm in it for the long haul, you know? Um, you know, I, I made it a very strong point that I did want to continue to do work on the independence. It wasn't a deal breaker by any means with new Japan on either side. Um, obviously the, the preference is always going to be given to, uh, the company that I represent and I'd rather, I'd have it no other way. Right. Um, but yeah, I, I am flying back. I have a show on December 30th, New Texas Pro Wrestling's Lone Star 4, um, which will be streaming on IndieWrestling.tv all over the world, which is going to be a great time. But, um, you know, it's I, I, you talk about sustainability. Um, my body's not given out by any means, as, as difficult as a 14-hour flight can be for anyone, let alone a, you know, a substantial man like myself. Um, I think that there is a, I think there's a lot of longevity for it. And I think that longevity comes within, you know, you talk about, as I mentioned before, the passion that I do have for professional wrestling, which I do hope that is visible, not only to fans on the broadcast, but also to my peers and to those that I've worked with on the independence and in new Japan as well. Um, 
that innate desire to want to continue to do stuff on the independence isn't because I'm trying to make an extra couple bucks or whatever. I mean, that goes a long way, sure. But uh, reality is I got where I wanted to be in my professional career, at least accomplished a major, major goal and have long-term plans to be where I am right now uh, with New Japan. I think a lot of people view the independence as uh, sort of a, a, a walkway, a pathway, because a lot of people that are on the independence uh, have aspirations to go to major companies. And I see my role now as a young guy who knows what it's like to be 21 years old, who knows what it's like to be a college student holding down three different jobs and doing DoorDash on the side and doing everything else, trying to make ends meet and still trying to chase this incredibly strange dream that we all have to be involved in, in major players in the professional wrestling world. I see it as my duty and uh, something I'd, I'd love to do to try and help people along that way as well. And I think that, you know, despite me being 21 or despite um, a lack of days in on the job, I think there's a lot of things that I have that I can offer to uh, independent organizations, a lot of things I can offer to uh, independent professional wrestlers, announcers, managers, referees, everything of the like, just because of the experience that I've gathered throughout the past few years. Um, so, you know, uh, my want to still be on the independence Sure, I, I want to keep up with the independent talent. I want to keep up with what's happening happening in the states. I want to travel to places that New Japan isn't going. Whether it be, you know, I've I've wanted to go to Germany for a long time. I've wanted to go to Africa. I've wanted to go all over the world. Um, but I, I think that the big driving factor that's going to keep me going, even through these long back and forth flights and whatever it may be, is just you know the the will to want to help people achieve what I'm getting to feel right now. Because if I get to be a key part if I get to be a player the way that Bob Evans and Kevin Kelly were for me and pay that forward for someone else, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm living my truth and I'm doing my job correctly. Uh, even, you know, the job that I'm holding inside New Japan Pro Wrestling is strengthened by the ties I get to have to the independents. So I think it's important for me to keep doing it. God damn it. Stop being such a good guy. Will you please? My <laughs> Lord. You're making us all look bad. Oh, You're no. setting the bar too high. Um, no. Let's get into Wrestle Kingdom, shall we? Oh, um, the night or the morning of walker stewart wakes up out of bed gets into his uncomfortably small shower <laughs> thinking things over putting on uh, hopefully a nice thick layer of uh, deodorant and, sure. and walking over to the tokyo dome for the first time right uh are there any things in your head that might be different and again this is your first so but in your head maybe expectations of announcing uh, i guess check boxes that you need to hit when you're calling matches in a building this big, or is it just the same for every building to building? I think that the goal is the same for every single show, no matter the building, no matter the audience, whether it's New Japan Pro Wrestling or the aforementioned Independence. Um, you know, we go in there. I, I'm my set goal is to tell a narrative to advance someone's enjoyment someone's love for professional wrestling for the product at hand and for the individual individual competitors as well you know we've talked about you know we're probably going to be seeing or i actually know it's confirmed the the new japan rambo with the the kopw 2024 on the line and we're going to see a bunch of people come through there and the goal is the same there as it is for kazuchika okada and brian danielson which is hey every single person that walks into this show, that steps into this ring, needs to feel like a major player when they leave it, whether they were walking in or they aren't. Now, obviously, 
every single person that's walking into a Wrestle Kingdom matchup, whether it be championship or non-title, everyone is a major player. There's a reason that they are on Wrestle Kingdom 18, but some people may not be as invested in, you know, a recently returned guy like Yuya Uemura than they would be in a guy like Kazuchika Okada or a veteran like Hiroshi Tanahashi, right? And so, um, you know, the goal stays the same overall, which is to increase people's knowledge and enjoyment and the reach that New Japan Pro Wrestling has, especially knowing that Wrestle Kingdom 18 and Wrestle Kingdom in general is some people's only time of the year that they watch New Japan. Is there yeah, a power shooting? Have- yeah. I've gone out to say that directly and say, hey, you know, I, I like New Japan. It's fine. I can't keep up with it all the time, though. So I just check out the Wrestle Kingdoms. And um, I don't think there's any more pressure or any more weight that is on my shoulders because of that. But um, I know that there's a larger audience. So maybe there's a lot more story recap that needs to happen. There are people who haven't been around to see what, you know, uh, Francesco Akira and TJP have accomplished this year. Even hell, what just happened with TJP getting shoved into a damn casket at the go home show at Corican, right? So we're going to have to talk about those things, get everyone up to speed, and make sure that we set everyone else up inside the ring for success on the audio side of things. We're storytellers, what we do out there. Talk to me about the, 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 the day, blah, 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 the day of. Uh, our, are you talking with a lot of the guys? Are you you asking questions on key points of you know what what do I need from what do I need to help you? Uh, are, is there storyline notes that are being exchanged? Is the you know are you on the hotline the Chris Samsa? Like, what's the lead up to a show like this look like in your eyes? Uh, it's the same as every other lead up for every other show for me, except it's a lot longer of a show and there's, uh, more matches and there's more, there's more championships on the line. I've never gotten a call an IWGP world heavyweight championship match, for instance. So that's something, uh, I'm heavily looking forward to the, the process of preparation, uh, began for wrestle kingdom back with power struggle. Actually, for me, I actually started my wrestle kingdom notes, uh, I have uh, well over 100 pages of notes going into the show. Are you going to steal this notebook is my question. Will this notebook eventually make it to uh, a Patreon bidding so we can have your actual notes? Yes or no? I am am completely okay with that happening. That would be... be very good. Yeah, I'm sorry. So, Continue on, please. I, you know, I have, I have well over 100 pages of notes going into the event, um, and and that's stuff down from statistics, the likes that the lovely Chris Samsa could provide. Um, that is down to different things that I want to point out personally about you know stylistic differences, like the likes of you know, or or even personal differences, personality differences, like the differences between Yuya Uemura and Yoda Suji going into their singles matchup at the Tokyo Dome. Um, or, you know, the, the, everything that has led to Kaito Kiyomiya competing at a wrestle kingdom, which how many people had that on their bingo card for going into 2024. Right. So, um, you know, that that's pretty much it. You know, it's, it's the note preparation. A lot of the note preparation I do is solo, but I will reach out, uh, to a good amount of the English speaking talent and, uh, you know, get anything that I can from them, anything that I can't get. For the Japanese talent, of course, the lovely Chris Charlton is very well capable of providing for me and, uh, you know, providing for the booth, which is always helpful. 
Um, so yeah, you know, it's, there's some personal interaction there, but I think it's a, uh, it's almost an an intimate thing for me to sit down, you know, 4am in a hotel room after power struggle and all right, we're already getting started with the wrestle kingdom notes. Right. Um, and I think that's why you're going to sense and you'll, you've continued to sense, I hope throughout my broadcasting with new Japan pro wrestling, just how much I care and just how much, uh, you know, I didn't just come into this saying, I want to collect a paycheck and leave at, you know, in four years or whatever, and go somewhere else. I see a long term here. I'm in here for the long haul. Kevin was in here for the long haul and I have a legacy to carry on. And that continues at wrestle kingdom. Um, I'm, I'm I'm fired up for it, boys. I can't wait. It's going to be great. She'll be good. I, w- I want that notebook. I want to see that notebook. Sure. Yeah. yeah. I'll send you, <laughs> send you pictures. That's, that's the stuff I geek out over. Right. <laughs> now, we have to be honest here. We are not as hyped for this Wrestle Kingdom as we have been for Wrestle Kingdoms in years gone by. So I'm going to hand that burden over to you, Walker, to try to get us psyched for Wrestle Kingdom. What are the matches you're most looking forward to calling? Why should... Uh, why should the viewers be excited for this show? Well, here's the question I have for you. I'm going to flip it right back and ask what you're not looking forward to. Because I it kind of shy. I know that there are there's public opinion of oh well we've had this in the past we've had this in the past. But I'm curious to know you know what matches can you point to and go that's not going to be a good match. No. Okay, so that's a really that's like a- really great question. Like yeah, we we think in terms of the quality, I'm sure they'll all be absolutely great i'm sure we'll walk away from wrestle kingdom thinking yeah we've had a great time here but it's the builds and the excitement level for some of these matches that i think there are reservations about right yeah you know and and we that's even become something that has been mentioned on the broadcast with myself and chris talking specifically about i know the one everyone loves to uh mention which is the iwgp world heavyweight championship sonata and tetsuya naito in the main event um sonata has been very well i was going to say very vocal actually the opposite the lack thereof um there there we haven't really seen too much out of sonata within his promotion of the main event for the tokyo dome uh world heavyweight championship match and i've seen a lot of people saying to themselves well hey you know if the world heavyweight champion doesn't even care about talking about this match why should i go out of my way pay my money to new japan world to spend the time at odd hours of the morning or at odd hours even at night depending on where you are in the world and Witness what's going to go down. Um, I think there's a lot of reasons to do so. One of which, of course, it's the the incomplete story that we have been talking about time in and time out when it comes to Tetsuya Naito, who never got to complete that roll call because of Kenta. Um, that's something that uh, I don't I don't know how much it's been hit on too much on on the broadcast here on the podcast at least, but you know that's something that Tetsuya Naito wanted to share with. His family, it's something he wanted to share with his grandfather who passed away before he could manage to even do so. He's gone on record to state that he will go and deliver that World Heavyweight Championship if he wins it at Wrestle Kingdom 18 to the grave of his grandfather who never got to be there for that roll call. I think there's a lot of emotions going in for Tetsuya Naito. And on the opposite side of things, we also have Sonata, who is a guy that, of course, we talked about. Uh, I'd argue he's... resorting back to how we've really seen him pre-World Heavyweight Championship reign, pre-Just Five Guys earlier on in this year with LIJ. Um, And I think that the presence of Naito is what is really bringing him back to that state. Naito, on the opposite side of things, though, is really trying to push 
bigger things out of him. There's so many, there are so many different layers to the story, gentlemen, that I can understand why a lot of people sit here and they look at the total package of things. And I, I think that there are some o- overwhelming points to it. I know that the build has not been uh, incredible when it comes to promotional stuff on the side of Sonata. But man, the emotion that's going to be in the Tokyo Dome when we are finally there, there's no more conversation to be had about the build. There's no more conversation to be had about anything other than what we see in front of us at the Tokyo Dome with Sonata and Tetsuya Naito challenging for the World Heavyweight Championship. I think that's what most people are going to remember from this matchup. It's not going to be conversations about the Korakun Hall uh, comments or lack thereof that Sonata made and the references to Doki's birthday and the snow not falling on time. I think that it's going to be focused purely on the emotion of that match. And sure, it's, I think, I th- part of me thinks it's emotion that Sonata doesn't really want to tap into. Um, you know, we, we as, as men, we as human beings and individuals know that it can be, how do you say, difficult to uh, be in touch with your emotional side. You never want to let your cards show to your opponent, especially someone who knows Sonata as well as Tetsuya Naito does. So, you know, I know there's a lot going in. I know that a lot hasn't been said about the World Heavyweight Champion, but the reality is he says he's going to be able to do this in his own way. He says he's going to be able to accomplish this without having to resort to, as he puts the the pandering nature of Los Ingobernables de Japón and Tetsuya Naito. And uh, he says he wants to share that moment with just five guys. I don't know. I think uh, I think it's going to be the talk of the world when it comes to the end of the match. Do you see? Oh, one other... I'm sorry. I'm oh, sorry. You'll get. You, you no, you now I, I was just going to okay, follow just... up with that. With um, I'm sorry. Yeah, we're ahead. on the other side of the world. My bad. Uh, <laughs> um, it, it has to go up in the space and cut back down. Um, sure. The the semi main event. Uh, Danielson Okada. I mean, in a lot of people's eyes, they're looking at that match as you know, quite possibly the the showstopper. I mean, that's going to be the match that I think everyone has circled as, okay, we have a lot of interest, especially uh, with rumors swirling about um, as to a status of, of Okada's future with, with New Japan Pro Wrestling. Will he? Won't he? Has he? Won't he? Who is he talking to? Who is he not talking to? Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. Um, right. Do give, give me your thoughts on that whole situation. One, I guess the AEW involvement being so high up in, on a show like this, and B that feeling of okay, what's on the other side of the rainbow when we finish up Wrestle Kingdom, and where do we stand? Uh, and I say New Japan, where do we stand? I think there is a reason that the door might have been forbidden for as long as it was. And it's because I think, uh, you know, you you open that door and there's going to be critics on every single side of it. And a lot of that criticism is warranted in a lot of different ways. And we could have that conversation off the record for sure. But point being that, you know, AEW's involvement with the semi-main event of Wrestle Kingdom is huge, however way you want to spin it. I mean, you look at the alternative, which some people very well could prefer this, and I I wouldn't blame anyone for feeling that way if they did, but the alternative is, of course, no involvement from any company outside of New Japan Pro Wrestling and this isolationist uh, ideology that we see some major wrestling companies holding on to in 2023. Um, You know, and, and that would of course, force New Japan Pro Wrestling to rely on its homegrown stars and uh, building those stars and homegrown talent. But I think that 
if utilized correctly, the relationship with All Elite Wrestling can really do a lot to further uh, the relationships that New Japan Pro Wrestling has with other companies, their presence in the United States of America, which I know is still going to be a heavy focus going in to the year of 2024. And then, of course, uh, you know, back on the home front, the mainland and the land of the rising sun. Uh, it's never a bad idea to have AEW stars coming in, making appearances and showing that New Japan's willing to play ball with uh with people outside of their outside of their realm you know i think that uh it's good for all elite wrestling to be doing business in japan i think that it's good for new japan pro wrestling to be doing business with AEW and in the united states now when it comes to you know i've heard some people talk about the placement of this matchup on the card and hell i've even seen some people confuse it thinking that it's actually the main event of the show what a blow to the confidence of sonata right, right. Sure. the iwgp world champion uh not being perceived as the main event. You think that's not going to be on the mind yet another facet, of course, going in to that main event with Naito, but it's Danielson and Okada in the semi-main event. You know, I, I think that this is a, a bona fide grudge match as much as it's advertised as a special singles one. I think that there's a reason that there's 60 minutes on the clock time limit wise for this. And um, I just, I just know I'm excited for it, gentlemen. I, I really am. And I know that, uh, I, I'm not trying to come across like a, a toxic optimist by any means, but I think that there's been a trend in New Japan Pro Wrestling, and you could correct me if I'm wrong, but with a lot of things, when they are played out to be fulfilled in the end, a lot of people walk away satisfied. There, there are complaint after complaint after complaint about uh, current standings of certain situations dating all the way back years ago to... You know, you finally see them come to fruition. You go, oh, I understand it now. I get it. And I'm impressed and I'm happy and I'm happy that I managed to invest in this. I think that relationship that New Japan has with AEW is going to be one of those things by the end of it. Um, well, not saying it's coming to an end, by the way. That's that's not a scoop by any means. But Oh, uh, rats. That was the headline. The God damn it. Post? <laughs> yeah, Edit no one, that. that one. Come on. <laughs> um, you know, by, by the end of what we might see with Okada and Danielson. I mean, hell, let's even just talk the history of Brian Danielson coming back to New Japan for the first time since 2004 when he held the junior heavyweight tag titles with Curry Man, right? Like, there, we've seen a lot of growth out of Danielson. He's a completely different person who recently went on record to say that he never wanted to be a TV wrestling star. He said he wanted to be big in Japan, and now he gets to compete in the Tokyo Dome for the very first time against one of the biggest professional wrestling stars in the world, specifically in the country of Japan as well. You know, a, a lot of people have made allusion, allusions to Kazushika Okada being, you know, the top guy and going forward being the top guy for a very, very, very long time. Um, this is big for Danielson, and I think Okada's walking in with a lot of momentum where it's going to be big for Okada by the end of it as well. Main events aside, we're looking at, say, a, 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 a talent roster, young, just raring at the bit for that next level. I think a lot of people, the, the, the questions that they have kind of revolve around the placement of those young guys that we feel are ready. Maybe the company doesn't. Maybe there's pushback. Maybe we'll see a rocket ship strapped to one of them with the new direction and new leadership. Are you surprised that they haven't played a more prominent role 
especially coming out of COVID, clap crowds and all of that to kind of set them up for success in the relatively near future? I, I think there's some shock that I may have, but no, I think that there's also the uh, the way of doing business, so to speak, that uh, doesn't shock me whatsoever when it comes to New Japan Pro Wrestling and the placements of certain people on cards. There's no doubt that a lot of people were clamoring before it was added for Yoda Suji, for Yuya Uemura to be involved at Wrestle Kingdom, that for Ren Narita and Shota Umino to be on the card as well. Hell, Kaito Kiyomiya even, which I thought, to be honest with you, was a, a long shot, a bit of a stretch, and he managed to make it his way on there. Um, and even people like, you know, Gabe Kidd and Alex Coughlin, who have been having a hell of a year, guys who have recently been showing up and showing out like Hanare. Gosh, I could talk all day about Hanare. Um, you know, I, I think that there's a shock that some of those guys are not on the card. And if you're asking me, do I think that they should be? Absolutely. Um, but unless, you know, we we start to see the U30 Wrestle Kingdom events come around. Um, I, I think that it's a, a bit of a long shot to you know we can't we can't put everyone everywhere right. Um, and there are things that once again I, I hate to be the the let it play out sort of guy. Um, it's not a cop out as much as it might seem as one, but man, I, I think that everyone gets theirs in due time if they're managed to stick around for that period. And I do believe that you know these young cats coming up. Um, are going to be getting more prominent matches on cards going forward. And I, I think that that might be something on the mind of President Hiroshi Tanahashi going into the new year, especially someone who, you know, I know that President Tanahashi, as much as I haven't had a lot of FaceTime one-on-one -on -one interaction with him, I know that he's focused on the development of talent in New Japan Pro Wrestling and giving those people stages the way that he was able to earn and the way that he was also able to provide people during some of the peak years of his career in the company. So I, I think that there's a lot of optimism, once again, going in when it comes to locker room morale, especially with this younger crop of talent going into Wrestle Kingdom and then past Wrestle Kingdom. So keep in mind, we got New Year Dash to focus on oh, and yeah. a man in Hiroshi Tanahashi who says, hey, one of my first goals as president is going to be and build toward selling out the Tokyo Dome in 2025 where Saturday will be the day that Wrestle Kingdom is held on, January 4th. You know, there's Very a good. lot of potential heading into the next couple of years. And I think that's something to focus on, especially with this new crop of talent. You're telling me to save my pennies now. Is that what you're trying to tell me? Yeah, sure thing. All right. Well, maybe I got to save my pennies. I don't have any pennies to save, but uh, yes, I will start saving my pennies. All right. This is the last one for me because we've gone an hour and six minutes of quality audio that people can use throughout the whole internet. Um, what do you, what, what's the match that's going to steal the show? Don't give me the main event. Don't give me the semi-main event. Give me the thing that's going to be a little bit under the radar that you think, you know what, this has the potential to just steal the show. Never seen a bad Hiroshi Tanahashi or Zack Sabre Jr. encounter in my day. And I think that the added element of 15 minutes being on the clock when we've seen Hiroshi Tanahashi go through these long stretches of challenges and long stretches of matches. Sure, I know that he's capable of getting the job done quickly but man the world television championship being on the line a title which when introduced was something that was reported as saying hey you know we are going to use this to focus on younger talent that younger crop that we were just alluding to right roshi tanahashi walks into this matchup not as one of those younger talents but no um, no no <laughs> well you know 
but he, where he's walking into this matchup saying, hey, you know, I'm the president of New Japan Pro Wrestling. I am someone who has always been invested in wanting to help develop new talent going forward. What better way to do that than to win the World Television Championship and bring it back to its roots consistently of only being utilized in those for those younger talents, those younger members of the roster. You know, Hiroshi Tanahashi challenging a guy like Oscar Loibe or uh, Bolton Oleg or Ren Narita, Shota Uno, those matches go on and on and on. And I know there are things that I would love to see. There are things that Tanahashi wants to make happen, but he has to do so in under 15 minutes with Zack Sabre Jr., which no one's been able to do. I think it's going to be a short one, but I think it's definitely going to be one that's going to steal the show. And another show stealer that you have to keep your eyes on now that it's developed past the Corquin Hall events. Yota Suji and Yuya Uemura, two of those guys that I just said a lot of people were clamoring to see involved in competition in the single spot. Some people felt that that single spot belonged to Shota Umino and Ren Narita. And sure, that is what we've seen more of, you know, ever since World Tag League, this blossoming and, and burgeoning rivalry. But man, the fire that Yuya Uemura and the development that Yota Suji has shown ever since his return at Dominion, I think that this one might tear the house down. It's going to be one that shows off exactly what types of talents that Suji and Uemura are. And keep in mind as well, Uemura has never competed in a singles match since his return from Excursion. This is his first time. He has no one to rely on in any corner. We're going to really find out the type of competitor Yuya Uemura is, whether it's at Suji's expense or not. Love it. I love the energy. I love the passion. Fired All right, up. I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm to close with this because I'm fired up now. I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready. Sure. I'm ready to wake up early and, and make this happen. Uh, I need you to do me a favor. Uh, tell Chris that we don't hate him. We love him. And I don't. I don't. I don't think Chris feels that. I'll tell Chris. I'm gonna. Right. I'm gonna give Chris the official Super J cast. We love you. We and, love uh, him. You know, yeah, yeah. He'll, he, he might listen. He might listen uh, to see you know, how, many, how many things I said that might have been incorrect. <laughs> <laughs> no, we, I love Chris. Him and I have different views on uh, some of the matches heading into. Uh, Wrestle Kingdom, you know, and I don't think that one is more correct over the other, except my opinions, of course. But, you know, uh, no, but uh, overall, like, you know, I, I think that's what makes us such an interesting duo, an interesting dynamic. I have this uh, this younger perspective, as he won't be afraid to mention on the broadcast, and he has it in the past. Um, and it, it gives a, a different light to what we do inside the booth and i'm happy to be able to share this experience with you guys i'm happy to be able to share this experience with everyone who is going to be in the building in the tokyo dome at wrestle kingdom at new year dash and everything going forward and especially all the people that subscribe to njpwworld.com so i'm fired up i'm blessed i uh appreciate you guys having me on the broadcast uh for the very first time maybe we'll you know i kevin kelly jr over here maybe we'll make this a year you know uh and uh we will we will see what happens but you know gentlemen i really appreciate it and i hope that everyone that tunes into the podcast that checks this out that you know that that uh tags super j cast when they (laughs) (laughs) when they take quotes on the internet i hope that everyone tunes in to uh, NJPW World Wrestle Kingdom 18, January 4th. It's going to be a good time. You're the best, Walker. All right, Joel, wrap this up. All right, Walker, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, it's been a pleasure, and we are really excited now, after 
get you uh, to hype us up for the big event to hear you live on Wrestle Kingdom on January 4th. So we'll be seeing you all then. Hey now, it's Mike Gilbert, host of the Mike and JD Show, right here on the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. Join JD by God Oliva and myself every Thursday night live on the Voices of Wrestling YouTube channel at 11.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time as we stay up all night discussing all the hottest stories in professional wrestling. You can also check us out right here on the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting feed or you can subscribe to the Mike and JD Show feed. Now, enjoy the show.